What is up, people? Thank you so much for listening in to this episode of the New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. I am your host, EJ Stewart. We have a great show lined up for you, though. I will say, Ken, though, this is one of those days where I feel like the pre-show is just as entertaining, if not more entertaining, than the post-show. Our production meeting got so off the rails, and what we've been talking about has been so funny and engaging. I wish we could uh, I wish we would have recorded it and had just people play it. Maybe we should do that. Just start day. recording our... Our pre-production meeting and just to give people what we talk about before our show. Um, This was well worth it. Very interesting conversations about celebrities and things like that. Uh, But this is going to be a... But the actual show, the actual New Generation Sports Talk should also be fun. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today, including um, the Maryland football scandal. Durkin right now, the head coach, is on administrative leave while investigation continues into the culture at the University of Maryland involving their football program months after a kid died or after a workout. So there's been a lot of stuff uh, coming out with that situation, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about the Jets' golden boy, Sam Darnold. He made his first start last night uh, for the New York Jets as uh, in the preseason. He's in, locked in a tough uh, QB battle over there with Josh McCown and, and uh, Teddy Bridgewater. So we'll talk about what we think of Mr. Darnold. Also, uh, Kyrie Irving. Um there still seems to be some stuff up in the air about where he'll be next year. ESPN did a forecast um, where the Knicks came on top slightly over the Celtics. And there are other people saying that they think that the Celtics are looking forward to signing Kyrie long-term this summer. So um, so we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Tiger Woods, some of the changes that caused basketball with some rule changes. So it's a really good show, a lot of stuff to talk about. Kendall, as you said, you are here with me as always. What are you looking forward to talking about today? Oh, I mean, we'll have plenty of college basketball to talk about on this show, EJ. Obviously, you mentioned the NCAA uh, came out with a very uh, explosive um, press release t- talking about their new rules to the sport of college basketball and how it will be administered in terms of the players and how what freedoms they will be given. Um, uh, so we'll talk more about that later in the show. And for Kendall's Court... I'll be talking a lot about two teams in particular uh, in college basketball. I would say the two titans of college basketball, Duke and Kentucky, um, are playing some summer basketball. So that's, mm. that'll be exciting to talk about. Kentucky's in out they're, the they're playing at the Rucker? Uh, uh, unfortunately, no. Uh, you, know, <laughs> you know what's funny? Sidebar. But um, I was thinking about the way this summer has gone. I think that Dykeman is starting to pass Rucker Park. As the number one place in New York, Dykeman's passed Rucker for I think about two years now. I'm gonna actually tell you where I think it shifted. Whenever, remember that random shooting that happened at Rucker? I do not. It was like three years ago. There was a shooting at Rucker, which is like insane for anyone who knows Harlem. Uh, sh- shootings happen in Harlem. They don't happen at Rucker. Uh, if you watch Luke Cage, it's Switzerland. It, it is Switzerland. Um, yet there was a shooting at Rucker maybe about three years ago. And I feel like since then it hasn't quite been the same. Cause like when I mean Durant, as far as as Jim far Jones back as Jim Jones was there, he was running and stuff. If you follow the Mace uh, beef with uh, who was the name? Who uh, uh, Cameron? Yeah, Cameron. There's there's all stuff in there about the Rucker shooting and stuff. Yeah. So if you're unfamiliar, maybe just go to Rap Genius and, and listen to the Mace's this to <laughs> to, 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 to yeah. Cameron. You may understand a little more what I'm talking about. Um, but yeah, I mean you can go as far as back to Durant playing at Rucker Park when Rucker was still by far number one. Nobody yeah. cared about Dykeman. But now, like, 
all the top dudes, professional, amateur, all play at Dykeman. Dykeman is approaching the Drew League. It is. The Drew, I think the Drew League's got to Drew League's still nervous. number one, but they're, it's... They're, they're nervous. Yeah, the game, uh, throwing hands with guys is not going to help. It's not. <laughs> I don't think it's going to help. You know... Other, wanting to get other NBA athletes to show Seattle, up. And their teammate might start swinging at them. Jamal Crawford tries to put some uh, some pressure on, on Drew League, but it was never going to happen. Because um, guys weren't going to go up to Seattle just to play basketball. As someone who's played at Dykeman, me, I've played at Dykeman. Not at night at the big league, but at the little, as a kid... It is a great atmosphere, right? Um, you're right by the subway station, like it's different than anywhere else I've played. I'll never forget the games I played at Dykeman. Uh, I never, I played thousands of games, and I forget most of them. But I didn't play that many at Dykeman. Maybe it makes them more stand out. But it is an awesome atmosphere, and when you see the games under the lights with the crowd, right again, again, right against the subway station, like it's it's different. Yeah, it's a different I mean, vibe. It's just awesome. We've had a we've had countless number of NBA stars and college stars and high school basketball stars all come out to Dykeman. You know, all Dave across East the country. Davis is played out there. The rapper. Yeah, I mean, all across the country, you got guys from California yeah. coming out to play at Dykeman. Um, guy from Mississippi. Uh, so yeah, um, but no, Duke and Kentucky are not at Dykeman. Kentucky was in the Bahamas. Oh, that's and, sad. Uh, Duke uh, is in Canada right now playing. They're actually gonna tip off in about 30 minutes so i'll probably be watching some of that game while we do the show but um what do you mean watching the game while you're doing the show this is, you gotta be focused on doing the show we, you know i'm watching the well, game I, i'll be watching it but i'll have a second screen you know what I mean? this guy man he's you a game i gotta do my job give him to pay attention that's why i, I post it. so i post that instagram post on on our last youtube video i'm talking and you on your phone that's yeah. that's, that's, that's pretty I, much I, gotta, my I life. have to do my job and do my job correctly i have to be able to watch duke play oh my gosh um I had something to say about Rucker again, and I've lost it now. Um, yeah, all I'll say is that, yeah, I think Rucker hasn't been the same since that shooting to me. In terms of why things have changed a little bit, I think Dykeman is a great venue. Because, like, 15 years ago. definitely approaching. Uh, 15 years ago, these guys that were playing at Dykeman this summer would be playing at Rucker, probably. Yeah. But, like, go show you that, like, I mean, things change. And like, the EBC you know? obviously isn't as big either. Yeah, I mean, I at the end of the day, like, things change. And, you know, of course... R.I.P. Greg Marius, uh, right. the great founder and uh, executive director of the EBC. He's been he actually that might have actually been when the tide turned. Now I think about it, I didn't really put that together, but I think he I think he died right around that shooting. I think it was kind of around the same time. Right. Might have been a year before, or a year after, but uh, but that also probably has a lot to do with it because um, he was un- unbelievable. That's why I want to say about Rucker, uh, not about Marius. R.I.P. But the uh, I saw a video on Instagram that was a, a, a clip about the greatest EBC game that was never played, a great Super Bowl game that was never played. It was the game where LeBron showed up, and oh, he yeah, was supposed so. to play for Jay Z's team against Rockefeller against Fat Joe's Terror Squad, and apparently Terror Squad had Carmelo Anthony, it had a bunch of other stars. Rockefeller had LeBron, and apparently Shaq was on his way to. The, the 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 court he was gonna play in that game for Jay Z yeah. said Jay Z had flown him in and that he didn't want to come in the early of the game he wanted to come in the middle because he had to have his own entrance and the power went out remember that blackout yeah that's that that's what squashed the game like Terror Squad already had NBA guys and then they added Carmelo Anthony and like other NBA guys yeah there was rumors that Terror Squad also was bringing Yao Ming to that game yeah Yao Ming yeah I heard I it. mean 
if if there was a game where it was Carmelo, Yao Ming, Stephon Marbury, and the usual suspects on Terror Squad against LeBron and Shaq, that would have been the greatest street ball game ever played. There's yeah. not even a debate. Yeah. That would have been that would have been unbelievable. And I just saw and it's crazy to think that a blackout stopped. And maybe like maybe the rucker would be different if that game happened. Like what we're talking the about today. Like I don't know if Dagman is what it is now, if that game just happens. Because that is a basketball legend if that, that game takes place the way it's supposed to. Yeah. And another New York City legend happened that stopped it, which was the blackout of 2003, which yeah. is infamous for anyone who lived in New York City. during. The only time. thing I'll say is, I mean, who knows if that is even logistically possible to let that game even happen? Like, only because of so many big names? We always know about the, the, the street ball miss. The you know Joe Ham Joe Joe the destroyer hammer can yeah. grab the a nickel off the top of the backboard. Yeah. Some like some there's always these people miss. Some of this stuff don't doesn't even seem to be yeah. possible. Cause I'm 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 thinking about like like when Lamelo Ball played Zion Williamson and like that game was like so packed like people had to be like kicked out of the arena and stuff. Yeah, like could you could logistically have yeah, that could many you, stars? Yeah, could you logistically have Yao Ming and Shaq and LeBron and Jay-Z and all these people all in the same venue? They all got their own security and stuff. Like, how would that even work? I mean, that's my that's my only question. But, but the one what thing... What did that even happen? But I think the one thing we know about Rucker, especially at that period, I think that 1998 to 2005 period, I would say... I, w- I would say it's Rucker's second golden age. The first golden age being the 70s, 60s with Doc and Kareem, right. those guys, Wilt playing there. But then I think a second golden age happened in the late 90s, early 2000s. And what I would say is if any venue was going to try to do it, it would have been Rucker. Yeah. It would have been the EBC. If anyone could have pulled it off. I, I agree with you. I understand. How could you logistically get like, that done? That's why, like, but if anyone could have done it, it could have been them. That's why like it's tough for even the Drew League to do that. I mean, the Drew League had last year Harden and Chris Paul. Yeah, you know, playing in the same game. I still know how they. Like, I, I've never been to the Drew. Hopefully, I will at some point. I, I, I never wonder. I always wonder how they get those people in there. Yeah, because I mean, I, maybe things are different now. But if, Jay, if I heard James Harden was playing somewhere, I'm doing whatever I'm doing I'm in Los Angeles. I'm dropping it yeah, to go see for James what, Harden. Five play. bucks, ten bucks. Yeah, 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 for a cheap free. Maybe I don't know how yeah. cheap. I know the the you know the EBC is free, and that may be very cheap. Like I'm dropping everything I'm doing. I'm going to that. So. And the gyms are packed. I'm just wondering, like, and remember they moved it. They, it used to be in like a smaller gym, like when Kobe yeah. played in it. It was in, like a small, you know, middle school looking yeah. gym. Yeah, now it looks like it's at, like a community college yeah. or something. You know, so I'm sure there's some people in LA that don't like that. You know, they, they feel like they uh, they're ruining the the mystique of Drew, the Drew League. But there's our uh, street ball. Uh, introduction. Yeah, street ball segment. Yeah, it's, it's the end of the summer, unfortunately, so we we can't make this a regular thing. Otherwise, we should have a regular street ball segment. Last week definitely would have been the week where we talked about uh the game and his, yes. uh, throwing hands with his own teammate. Yeah. It's just just it's unbelievable. Um, but let's let's talk. Let's let's kick off the real show and let's talk about the stuff we got on docket today. And like I said, we're gonna begin with the uh, Maryland football scandal. So if you haven't been following. The file, the college football world has been reeling since an ESPN investigation found a troubled culture at the University of Maryland's football program, where 19-year-old Jordan McNair died following a team workout. The investigation found that uh, the team trainer was yelling at his teammates who were trying to help him when he was struggling. They also uh, apparently didn't call 911 until an hour after McNair had already suffered a seizure. 
a deeper look at the Maryland program under head coach DJ Durkin found that the staff members use fear and intimidation tactics that often involve verbal abuse, public humiliation, and even using food to punish players by making them overeat um, for not making the weight that they want them to be at or being too fat uh, or too overweight, I guess maybe would be a better way to say that. Um, after the report, the university placed Durkin on administrative leave and took responsibility for the death by apologizing for, quote, mistakes that were made, which seems like a pretty lame uh, way to put some, some child dying, but that is what the quote that came from the university president and the athletic director. Since the scandal, former Michigan star Jabril Peppers, who played under Durkin at the University of Michigan, uh, described Durkin's style as bully coaching, while South Carolina coach Will Muschamp, who was uh, who, who who Durkin uh, coached under as a defensive coordinator at the University of Florida, defended Durkin's character and called the players and anonymous sources who spoke to ESPN quote gutless and said they had no credibility. So a lot of stuff to unpack here with this Maryland scandal. Kendall, what do you make of, of what's happened at the University of Maryland and what it means for college football as a whole? Man, um, well, I'll tell you who's, well, this is a, uh, a very unfortunate situation. Um, you know, the, the, I, I had, I vaguely had heard about, you know, this kid McNair dying, but it wasn't really a huge story, I guess, cause we didn't know all the, the, the surrounding details behind it. Yeah. Um, but the I the one party that that is certainly satisfied with all this news is uh it, it's Ohio State. You know, it's Urban Meyer because I mean I haven't heard anybody I haven't heard a peep out of Ohio State or Urban Meyer in the last week. Um, when there was I mean every day it was a new Urban Meyer story. Yeah, a new Zach Smith interview, a new Courtney Smith interview. There was a new Zach Smith. Detail this week that came out, and, and I don't even know. What no it was. one's even covered it. Yeah, I totally forgot. Was, they, I had they heard, heard something like something about he hit a DUI from. Yeah, from, from, Meyer. from Meyer. Yeah, and that joint got no play. Nobody cared. No it play. Like, yeah, yeah, but the Maryland coach. Yeah, you know, like I mean, that was excellent for Urban Meyer. Um, look, will DJ Durkin lose his job? Generally, when just like we said last week about Urban Meyer two weeks ago. When you put on administrative leave, that's a bad time. It's the beginning of the end. It's the beginning of the end. That that shows that the university feels like if what we hope is not true is true, you can't do your job. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to investigate to make sure it is true before we fire you. But right now we're, we're under the assumption that it is true, so we'll just put you on administrative leave because you can't do the job right now. So that tells me that while they go through their investigation, unless, there was a, unless there's a clear... Uh, finding of innocence on DJ Durkin's part, he'll be out of a job. Um, that's not super relevant in the world of college football. You know, Maryland, I mean, DJ Durkin was an interesting hire. He was a young guy that they brought in from, from Michigan, but not an A-list coach. Uh, Maryland is a job. I mean, I think they could have done better than DJ Durkin when they hired him. I think it's a sleeping giant type of job. Um, so I don't think they'll they'll bat an eye about losing DJ Durkin. And they they weren't going to win anything this year to, to begin with. On the on the flip side, in terms of the the sport of college football as a whole, I think that this plus the Urban Meyer situation, and it's kind of what I was talking about when I talked about the Urban Meyer situation a couple of weeks ago, where I yeah. said that is Urban Meyer the only coach out there that's kind of doing crazy stuff, or that's willing to skirt the line, or is willing to toe the line, or is willing to go past the line, 
Um, look at Mike Leach. Because when I think of this story, the first story that come to mind, that comes to mind for me, is the Mike Leach situation at Texas Tech with Craig James's son. Yeah. Who he, I mean, there's plenty of details out there. You can search it up for yourself, but stuff about him locking him in a shed as a to, while he had a concussion. Yeah, while he had a concussion, it was some, it was some very odd stuff, some very disturbing stuff. I think is the right word. And Mike Leach, I mean. For all we know, I mean, for, on pure coaching ability, I think it's one of the f- maybe 10, 15 best coaches in college football. That I would say could, probably that 10. Could, that could be said. And, you know, he's taking Washington State. That's arguable, State. but certainly. He's Washington State made them yeah. a top 15 program. Yeah. And, like, it took him a, it took him a little while. But he's made them now basically a top 15, top 20 program. Um, so, like, I mean, he doesn't recruit like some of these other guys. There's other things that go. And, and he's Mike Leach. <laughs> that, all, that you have to take that into consideration as well. But. There's a reason Mike Leach keeps resurfacing. There's a reason he got the Washington State job. There's a reason why Tennessee was taking a strong look at Mike Leach before he got the job. And it's not because Mike Leach is a saint. Mike Leach, we all know he's, I won't, I won't call him, you know, uh, I won't go far, I won't go too far. We all know he's a knucklehead. I think yeah. I think that's a fair I think that's a fair way of characterizing Mike Leach. Yeah. He, um, yeah. He's, he's, he's a weird guy. He's eccentric. Yeah, eccentric, well, yeah. <laughs> for, to put it safely. Said, yeah. Um, and do Washington State fans really care? I'm not no. gonna, And I'm not even going to speculate. Look, I, I wasn't even going to go here, but when you look at the Washington State football program, we even mm-hmm. talk about tragedies. They had their starting quarterback who committed suicide. Right. You know, and that was a huge deal. I'm Look, I'm not going to speculate on Mike Leach having anything to do with that. Right. You know, that's a whole personal issue that I can't really speculate on. But, like, Mike Leach, this wouldn't this wouldn't be the first time something crazy's happened in the program. Right. You know, maybe he does some culpability go on him. I don't know. But all I will say is that it's just an example of some of these coaches, whether it be Mike Leach at Texas Tech, whether it be DJ Durkin at Maryland, Urban Meyer, you know, the list goes on and on. Art Briles at Baylor. Yeah. This is becoming a trend that makes me feel like it's beyond – these individuals. I think that this is an institutional, a sport-wide problem that, look, I'm not sure there's anything you can do about it. Right. I you think know, beyond uh, regulation. Yeah. Tighter yeah. regulation. I mean, the the Ringer had a good article, I think, kind of alluding to what you're saying, which is a greater issue involving college football. Um, let me first go on Durkin. Um this man, this man has, I don't, he shouldn't be on the ministry leave. This man needs to be fired. I'm sorry. There's no, uh, when you're dealing with children and you have children who are dying in your care and then there are people within the organization saying how you're dealing with children is problematic and dangerous and may have even contributed to this child's death. There is no, let's wait, let's wait this out and see every single side that, no, this 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 gentleman should not be coaching any kids. Um, it's it's to me a shame and an embarrassment that the whole staff is still has a job, honestly. And I think it speaks to still what you're talking about is a still a, a culture in college football that is somewhat toxic. That um, every decision that's made is weighed on the on the is weighed against how will this affect wins and losses. And when it's coach giving the guy money, when it's 
other nefarious things, it's a little more. Even I'm willing that, to look to. I'm willing to at least listen to it a little more. But similar to Penn State, when it's at the expense of children's safety, even the Rick Pitino thing. Right, it's Rick Pitino thing. Exactly. Louisville, we're still like, ah, look, Louisville, look, let them let the kids play. Right. We we, <laughs> we we weigh that in a situation where it's a little different. But when you talk about this or a Penn State situation where children pe- children are no longer potentially safe under the care of these men who are brought in there to care for these kids. They they are with them almost 24-7. And a child died in their hands. And to try to prevent the death, they didn't do pretty much anything. Because, again, it took them an hour to call 911. And since then, they have still, according to the ESPN report, continued their abusive behavior. Uh... It, I, I think Maryland should be ashamed of themselves. I think college football should be ashamed of itself in terms of, as you said, this kind of constant thing of these men on power struggles who are making millions of dollars while these kids are making whatever they're making, just very little. I know, shout, uh, shout out to, uh, what's the name? The dude, uh, oh, I can't remember his name now. The guy on ESPN who always is for players not getting paid. Not Danny Cannell. Who I have no problem with for the most part. The guy on the basketball, the guy used to coach Indiana. Oh, Dan Dockage. Yeah, Dockage. man, the troll. Yeah. I, mean, I like Dan Dockage. I, 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 I sometimes like Dan Dockage. Dockage is clownish when it comes to this, this, these kind of takes. Take in this subject to the point where it's it's annoying and frustrating. And I do like him also, but he's, this he's stuff, a good college with this stuff, he acts like a clown, and I don't. I'm not afraid to say that. I would say that to his face. Um. Besides, so, but that's what is that's what's problematic to me is someone like him can go on TV or Twitter or whatever and talk crazy about what these athletes are getting, and yet people like this gentleman who are taking advantage of kids, bullying kids, um, and again not protecting the safety of children is making millions of dollars, and people like that are okay with the system. That's why I get angry. That's why I say I'm not afraid to say he's being a clown when he talks about this. So, and I don't want to make this about Dockage because a lot of people feel the way he does too. My point being is that there is an issue with college football and and how we look at the overall power structure and how much power is given into the hands of these coaches because these kids feel helpless. Because when I look at another clown, Will Muschamp, I'm going to call him a clown too for this because at the end of the day, this kind of reminds me of how these idiots who were going out there talking about the Me Too movement and how people were trying to say, oh, if, if you speak out, you must want money or you must want something. like It's kind of the same thing. This, this culture of intimidating people who are whistleblowers to illegal or dangerous or um, abusive behavior, it has to stop. So for Muschamp, who already has his own reputation of being a wild man, when you yeah. watch him coach, for him to come out and say these kids are gutless, these are children who are worried about their safety because one of their teammates just got just died at, at a practice. This isn't a game. And this whole hyper-macho attitude that I see I didn't even from know. Muschamp, from Dockage, with some of this stuff, and Dockage didn't talk about this, so this is more about Muschamp. Is alarming to me. I really didn't even like 
this is a little off topic, but I didn't like when Todd Bowles this week told Terrell Pryor he's got to shut his mouth talking about injuries. Yeah, I didn't like that you either. Know, Ty, I know Todd Bowles saying it more so from a coach's, you know, strategic perspective that guys shouldn't be talking about injuries, but I don't. I, I think guys should have the freedom to say whatever they want about there their is health, on, their own personal health. There is an ongoing struggle between in football between people who care about players' health and people who are only somewhat concerned and are more concerned about how it affects their ability to win. Basically, yeah. And they care as much as it does about can you be on the field. And the Durkins of the world, I'm not going to compare Durkin to Bowles. That was an yeah. example where that's what Bowles was doing, but of course he's, I'm not saying he's Durkin. No. And you're not saying that either, obviously. But that's an example to, of what you're talking about. I think right. he should have worded it better. Right, this you can't say. But it goes back to what I'm saying: is that injuries. this culture of like, if if things are are done to you in a bad way, or you're wronged in some way, that if you speak out about it, you're the one that's gutless. You're the one that's causing the issues. When we're not looking at someone who is causing these issues in the first place, this guy Durkin and his strength and conditioning coach, who seems like a complete psychopath, the guy that they were talking about throwing weights at kids, making kids eat until they throw up, just some just. Barbaric. Oh, yeah, I would transfer that. To barbaric type of stuff. After That's he, why I get upset about this. That's why I call Will Much at my clown on this podcast. And I, I rarely go after people like that. But when you have that happening to children and that's your attitude, you are a clown. And I don't know what happens to college football and how you fix this whole overall atmosphere. But I do feel like when you watch some of these situations, I even think about, and it's kind of a random side note and a lot of people might not remember this but i don't know if you remember when uh um the guy who's coached kansas uh the football coach the, the, the charlie huge weiss? no no the other huge dude. i was gonna oh, say the huge dude I don't know. you thought charlie weiss mangino mangino when he like <laughs> just like was completely cursing out some kid on the sidelines yeah, in his that. face like that and some people are like oh this is this <laughs> is just coaching like no this isn't that big a deal but it's like no like at a certain point there's a respect that you expect the kids to have these players, to these coaches, I'm sorry, that has to be reciprocated. I don't care that he's the guy in charge. Yeah. There's a certain level of respect, and there's a certain, there's a fine line between hard love, tough love, and verbal abuse. And I feel like I'm starting to see more and more examples in college sports where we're going into the abuse side. And if it's grown men, we're talking about professional sports, that's a whole nother conversation. But when we're talking about Children that again, I keep referencing the word children because that's what that, these kids that are. That aren't being paid. That aren't being paid, and these guys are making millions of dollars off of them. That's a really problematic situation slope. that needs to be handled. Now, what I'll be interested to see going forward in the sport of college football, I mean, one of my favorite shows in all of sports is College Game Day, and obviously their focus more so is obviously going is on the games that will be played every Saturday, but. And beyond college game day, college football live, inside college football, all these shows, SEC Today, whatever show you want to talk about, college football today, whatever it's called. Um, how will these shows and the how will the, the college football establishment, as you like to say, EJ, mm-hmm. handle the, I won't say corruption, because it's not college basketball, but the... I mean, it's corruption that we haven't found. It's happening. The whole pay for play thing. I mean, that's in college football. Yeah, of course that's happening. Well, yeah, but I'm not talking about that. That's right. why I won't say corruption because this isn't right. Yeah, this it, isn't corruption. This isn't corruption per in se. That, Just yeah. like 
Urban Meyer's thing wasn't corruption. Yeah. It was bad behavior. Yeah, you know, like you said, how will the Cal football establishment cover the toxic culture that is that exists right now in college football? Well, I think the issue. I think it goes back to the issue of the Paul Feinbaum's of the world. Well, the, it goes back to the issue that these these people. And I, I don't want to just. I don't want to just single out Pinebaum. No, no, no. I'm I know you're mentioning he all people like shows. him, right? Yeah, exactly. All the shows I mentioned. And it's the issue of when at the end of the day you're getting your check is being cut by a company who has a, a multi-million dollar agreement with conferences with these conferences. Some some situations some in NBC with these teams, individual schools. It's impossible. For it to be in their for them business. to feel like to, they can cover it in that way, and they will only cover it in a way that is that is obviously to me like this is obvious. Like any person people are gonna bash people, anyone who's a good reporter, and if they they had the 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 scoop on this, is is obvious. But the other stuff, the cloudier I mean, stuff. Nobody was looking at Urban Meyer. It took some guy who didn't have a job, basically. Who had no affiliation. No affiliation with anyone. He's the one who uncovered Urban Meyer. Stuff. Yeah. A lot of these big scandals that happened with college football, a lot of stuff was coming from Yahoo Sports. Yeah. Who has no affiliation, no money coming to Maybe them from ball. these conferences. Exactly. So, I think that's always the issue, is that at the end of the day, they're covering the games, and they're supposed to cover what's happening, but when you need access to people, you need... Uh, the people you need to continue to keep cutting those checks, not getting those people angry. How do you cover them in a way that's fair outside of the lines? Inside the lines, I think they even understand if you suck, they're gonna say you suck. No, yeah. there's no, they're not gonna hide that. But this other nefarious stuff, they looking up the the other way. Right. I like just went out <laughs> for uh, anyone we're doing this podcast. Now they just came back on. I was kind of random. <laughs> you looked at each other like, uh, what's happening? Um. Oh, I guess it's lightning. I think I hear now outside. So I guess it's raining. Uh, it should not affect our podcast that much. We're not streaming, so you should just we should still be fine. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. I feel like this thing. I'm a, I'm a little fired up about this because you know when I see some a, a young person that's taken unfortunately, and um, and to me, to what you were saying, there's an obvious culture that to me is is certainly problematic and has been problematic for a while. There doesn't seem to be anything being done about it. And then you got Muschamp going after the people who are whistleblowers. That's extremely troublesome to me. Yeah. You know, like, and I think, and I feel like we get that a lot. It's always whenever there's some issue, like, oh, these guys have no heart for for telling, for talking about, you know, talking about this or saying whatever. Like, for Will Muschamp, I don't care. Look, Kendall, I love you, homie. But if you were throwing weights at people, and stuff, and then someone asked me to make a comment about you and your character. I'm not come. I'm not caping for you, fam. Yeah. I'm gonna say, look, he's my brother. I'm always gonna love him. But what he did was wrong. Like, for this guy to go out there and not only defend this guy's character, character, for a guy who regularly curses our kids, who regularly um, puts them through ridiculous workouts, and has done this horrible stuff, to, and then attack the character of the kids who feel like they're being they're powerless. Like that's 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 a disgrace. Uh, yeah. Um I don't know, I look at the rest of this college football landscape and that's why I question all these guys. 
because I don't think that Muschamp is alone in the way he feels. Absolutely not. Um, I I'm well to me with the Mike Rice situation. Mike Rice, we had the same obviously. clowns coming out defending him too. That's why I'm going after him because yeah. I know it's not only Muschamp. Yeah, and there's a culture that thinks that treating kids this way is okay because. You're their coach, and they're another, on scholarship. Another coach I didn't ever, I didn't name was Butch Jones, who was at Tennessee. Absolutely, had his controversy at uh, UT. So this, uh, this is not. Or right, what about uh, Lovett from South Florida? Yeah, Jim Lovett, who yeah. also Lovett. I'm sorry, who also had a child die. Yeah, I vaguely remember that one. I mean, but. how many times does this have to happen before we start to have a conversation about what is acceptable for how you talk to handle? care for kids we're talking about the games who's winning who's losing but that is not a conversation that needs to be taken lightly when we have people dying and that that's a problem yeah so i don't know i we'll see how this whole thing shakes out um like i said i have no love for no much champ after these comments this is these are outrageous statements uh when it comes to the rest of the situation uh We'll see what happens with Maryland football. I don't think that we'll see Durkin with a job in college football as a head coach. Matt Canada. Matt Canada is now the head coach. Kendall knows him as the former pit offensive coordinator. Left after one year. There for a little bit. Went to LSU, stunk up the joint as offensive coordinator there, got fired, resurfaced this year as the Maryland offensive coordinator, and now lucked himself into the head coaching job in Maryland. He's Honestly, he's the right guy for the job because he was a part of this mess. I think what also bothers me about this, and my last point on this is, and it shouldn't mean anything, but because this is a sport that's so obsessed with winning and losing and wins and losses, and that's how we judge everybody. Really, that's every sport, but it seems like in college sports, for in terms of coaches, is even more so. This is a gentleman who's 10 and 15 in two years at Maryland. He's been there for two years? Yes. Really He's been there for two years. They're 10 and 15. They were going to have another losing season this year. They're a team going nowhere. Just like Mike Rice who was trash at Rutgers, just like, you know, um, a lot of these guys. Butch Jones, trash at Tennessee. Yeah. So when I hear these coaches come out and say, oh, well, you know, you got, you know, at the end of the day, you got to be able to coach your kids and blah, 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 all that bull crap. <laughs> um, these guys aren't winning. What they're doing isn't even working. You know, like, like, why are we running to protect the way these guys are failing to protect kids by behind the idea of this is how you need to do to get your players to play well and win when these guys can't even win. What they're doing isn't even working. So even beyond the whole thing of this being inhumane, how he treated these kids, also the fact that he's a lousy head coach and should never be allowed to head coach because he can't win games, that should also be in the conversation of how we look at how kids should be handled in terms of how we coach them. We shouldn't be running to protect people who can't even win and say, well, this is how you need to coach when they what they're doing isn't even being done correctly and they can't even do the basic part of their job, which is winning games. Yes. Which also gets me upset because, again, we're going after the kids uh, for their situation. We go after the kids for why they're losing. We go after the kids for why they're not doing this or that. We go after the kids now for saying, hey, the coach is being insane. But this guy is 10 and 15, and there are people trying to protect him. Like, that's this, that's a situation that, to me, is warped and messed up, and I do not like it, uh, to say the least. But let's move on now to more happier conversations, fun conversations. 
Um, let's talk about Sam Darnold. The future maybe not for the Jets' first-round pick. He's impressed in his first two preseason games, uh, including a start in the New York second game against the Washington Redskins. He did throw a bad pick in the uh, in the red zone uh, in the second quarter, but for the most part, continued to show immense poise, accuracy, uh, and maturity for a rookie. Kendall, should Darnold start for the Jets Jets in Week One? Uh, I mean that's kind of a bit of a loaded question, EJ, because whether or not Darnold should start and whether or not Darnold is impressive are kind of two different questions. Because, I mean, I to answer the second one, I think Darnold's been incredible. I mean, as as good as he as you could have hoped. Um. And I think he's looked as good, if not better, than every rookie in this QB class so far. So take that for what it's worth. I think Darnold looks to be as good as any rookie I've seen in a while, um, at least in terms of the first two preseason games. With that being said, is it in Darnold's best interest to start week one? Because the Jets are obviously not a good team. Um, no. <laughs> it was very obvious watching that game last night. He... You don't want to throw him into the wolves if he's not ready. Well, I, I see that's the problem. I don't think I think he is ready. Right. But you don't want to throw him into the wolves and put him in a situation where he can put himself in any harm, whether it be physically or mentally, psychologically, whatever you want to call it. Um, because there are times when guys, Derek Carr, you know, being thrown into an expansion team with David Carr. Up. Yeah, yeah, David Carr. <laughs> get them mixed up. David Carr being thrown into an expansion team where he wasn't ready and he had an offensive line that was the worst in the league and got obviously shell-shocked. You know, mm-hmm. Blaine Gabber, another guy, never recovered from being thrown in there to a terrible team early on. So that's why I worry about Sam Darnold. Well, I think he's better than those guys. Bridgewater and McCown? No, I meant uh, oh. Gabbard and oh, Carr. Right, yeah. is, it, is it possible that I mean, I don't know how Sam Darnold's wired mentally. Everything I've heard about Sam Darnold since he's been since he first stepped on campus at USC, he's been an alpha dog. Yeah, mentally you know, tough. Like he came into Number USC. One. This is something that I didn't talk about in the draft process, but when he got to USC, they had two, three, four quarterbacks yeah. higher rated than him. I mean, mm-hmm. I know you remember Max Brown ended up at Pitt, ironically enough, uh, and flamed out. You got the number one quarterback in the country, Ricky Town. Another quarterback right now who's on Pitt <laughs> seems to be a trend of guys going to going to USC and then transferring to Pitt. <laughs> but um, another guy who came in his class also a five star guy. Darnold wasn't necessarily a heralded five star quarterback. He ascended, got that job quick, and everyone you talk to at USC will tell you he was always the guy. Like he was always in the quarterback room, in the meetings, on the field, in camp. He was always the leader of the team, and. You wonder if that type of mentality will have him ready enough to handle the pressure he's going to have to handle to start on a bad team week one. Um, I mean, Andrew Luck did it. He went to a team that was, you know, what, what did they win, two games or whatever it was when he got there. <laughs> right. And, I mean, he made them a, a legitimate team his first year. Um, so he's not he'd be the first guy to start on a yeah, team. Peyton pay Manning started. Yeah, plenty John, of guys have John gone. John Elway started. Awful teams. And Troy Aikman. Became the starter and had fine careers. Yeah. But... But then there's your uh, Carson Palmer's. Yes, took him a Took a month. year. Yeah, it took a year off. You know, Chad Pennington sat, I think, like two years. Right. Uh, Aaron Rodgers sat all those years and it became <laughs> the best quarterback in the league, basically. Yeah. Like, it's it's a give and take. 
if I were to answer your question, I would. I think I would. I would sit him initially, go with Bridgewater. But then there's also the question of what do you do with Bridgewater? Do you, do you trade him? Get value for him? Because you could probably get a fourth, fifth round pick for Bridgewater if you want, but is that really even worth it? And then if you keep, if you start Darnold, you you have to trade Bridgewater. Who do you think gives the Jets the best chance to win? That's, that's another question. Um, I I would go Darnold. Really? Um, I'm not. I don't. I don't. I'm not suggesting one way. I just. I just know. What I think Darnold's saying. a really good player. I get that sense. Wow. And I think quarterback's kind of an ageless position. I mean, I I, I think experience. I kind of feel that way too. Experience is is it's it's nice, but I think either you're good or you're not, and you can get better. I'm not saying you can't get better, but I mean, Darnold being a rookie, I I don't think that. I mean, if he's good, he's good. He can be better than a guy that's been in the league for five years. Right. You know, Carson Wentz came in. Deshaun you know, Watson. Deshaun Watson came in with a top ten quarterback. Yeah. You know, Jared Goff in the second year looked like a top ten quarterback. You know, just it'll it'll take him a, a little bit to get used to it, but once he catches his stride, I think Darnold's a more talented player. And mm. Bridgewater's still coming back from an injury. Uh, this is a tough question. I don't know. Uh, before the season, I was extremely in favor of not starting him because I thought this Jets team had no chance. And while I would love to see Darnold play, I didn't want to see his confidence potentially get killed by playing uh, for a lousy offensive line with no receivers and you know a, a average to below average running game. He doesn't have much help. And when we saw Darnold play with not a lot of help last season, he did struggle with turnovers. When he had a lot of help the year before at USC, his his fresh for, you know redshirt freshman year, the guy was a superstar. So seeing Darnold's history suggests putting him around with better players may be a better choice for New York. But it's going to be hard considering how well he's played and, and the momentum that's around his case to start to put somebody else out there week one at this point. Um, I think that Bridgewater's still got some game. I think that McCown is decent enough. Uh, he played okay last year. I don't know. It's tough. I mean, I think I think I would. I think I'm still in a wait and see. I think I need to see the next game, and I don't know if he's gonna start the next game. How they're gonna work this out? I was surprised that he started week two. I, I thought maybe he would start week three. Um, but Bowles did that also with uh, he did that with Hackenberg last year, where he started him in the second game. So I don't know if that's he just feels that like that's the right time to kind of see what the guys got. I don't know what. That's weird. Normally, you would start a guy third preseason game and see what they got, but Bowles seems to like to do it in the second game with young QBs. So, I think I need to see what he does in the next one against the Giants. If he goes out there against the Giants and looks as good as he looked in the first three, I think at a certain point in terms of just kind of keeping your locker room attached and kind of keeping everyone together, because at the end of the day, the players respect that whoever is the best gets on the field. And... Right now, I think Darnold looks at least as good as any Jet guy, quarterback on the roster. I can't say he looks better than Bridgewater yet. Right. Um, McCown hasn't played this this preseason, though. I would say. I would say. Well, I guess they feel like he's thirty nine years old and he doesn't need preseason. So it's just fine. I mean, he's practicing every day. Yeah. I guess it's fine. Yeah, they seem. I, I'm not as concerned about that if he ends up being the starter. Part of me wonders if like McCown is like not there to start. I don't no, know he's if he not deals. Start. Yeah, I think it's not. You think if he's, he's just start, there he's just playing. to like be your mentor? I think he'll be on the roster. I don't think he'll get yeah, I agree. I think he'll be on the roster too. But it's weird that the guy who may be your starting quarterback, you haven't even given him a snap. 
in preseason. Yes, that's just I, I've never seen I've never seen that guy then become the starter. Like not unless it's like Peyton Manning or like <laughs> some superstar, like not some journeyman yeah. who's like we're gonna give him no reps against the real and with the real bullets flying. But then unless we're gonna put him out there games. in week one. Yeah, unless you're trying to which the Jets may be in a position to do that because uh, of how much help they have they need on that roster, but. I think if Darnold plays the way he played the first two games, I, it's going to be hard for Bulls to kind of have the credibility in the locker room to say, no, we're going to go with someone else. So I, I, I think that is the first game of the year again in Monday Night Football too. Yes. It's a huge game. I, that's going to be very difficult not to want to throw the kid out there. But as, I got to say, as a Jeff fan, I'm super – you, you got to be – I'm super excited. You got to be super excited what you saw from Darnold. I mean, he looks like – he looks like a seasoned veteran. And to me, it was exciting. And I never thought about this as a rookie. Like, usually most rookies you're worried about, oh, well, like, teams are kind of doing vanilla looks and stuff. Like, to me, I think of it from the Jets' standpoint. I'm thinking, yo, like, the Jets aren't even, like, opening up the playbook. Yeah. Like, this is, they're just, like, scratching the surface of the playbook because it's preseason. I imagine when they let really let him rip it. Like, yeah. then we may see some big plays. Like, you don't really think about that normally for rookie quarterbacks. But that's how I think about Bedard. That's how good he looks. He looks like he's handling this vanilla stuff like it's nothing. Like, give him more. I want to see him another, stress the field. An- another rookie right now in a QB competition. They're all in QB competitions, seemingly. But the other high-profile one is Baker Mayfield. Um, we're now, I think, two episodes into Hard Knocks. I've only seen the first one. Um, but Hugh Jackson, EJ, said... I believe in a press conference that Drew Stanton might be the Cleveland Browns backup. And that Tyrod Taylor all but certainly will be the starter. I don't think he said that, but that's been the indication. Which means that Baker Mayfield EJ, may start next season as the third string quarterback in Cleveland. That EJ goes back to my uh my discussion I had with you, I want to say it may have been two weeks ago where I talked about these quarterbacks, or not these quarterbacks, but these NFL teams, rather, disrespecting their rookies. <laughs> uh, that sounds like an oxymoron. How do you disrespect a rookie? Yeah, I know, right? A rookie doesn't... I know uh, I did t- just go on a whole spiel yeah, about well, giving kids. everyone respect. Yeah. But in the NFL, in pro football, rookies don't get any respect. But, and like Brad Stevens has... Brad Stevens, uh, obviously coach of the Celtics, doesn't allow rookie hazing. Um... Because his, his theory is that he likes to empower, he wants to empower guys. Well, no, that that goes with, he also has a rule that he doesn't, um, he doesn't have captains because he wants to empower everyone on the team. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't allow rehaving for whatever reason. I mean, we know why. Because he, he just doesn't feel it's a, it's a practice that is, uh, you know, positive. Mm-hmm. Um, and he doesn't want to single anybody out like that. Uh, although Terry Rozier hinted that they still find ways to to do it, you know. Rozier obviously is a crazy guy, but um, but my thing is like I don't like that these teams don't prioritize these rookies because look at the way the Celtics have had success with guys coming in. Jason Tatum last year, Jalen Brown two years ago having a role, Marcus Smart being the starter on a playoff team's rookie year. Why do these NFL teams? I look at the Bears who took years to sign Rokon Smith, Joey Bosa a couple years ago, his holdout, mm-hmm. and I look at. Now the Cleveland Browns possibly making Baker Mayfield the third string quarterback after they drafted him number one. That but seems this, like a disrespectful practice. I hate to 
to don't draft a guy, a quarterback who played four years in college, and then put him on the third string, unless he looked awful, which I, we saw him play in the preseason. Nothing is suggested that he, he looked, looked awful. fine. Yeah, he looked like he could be the starter. I I don't want to make this about Hugh Jackson, but part of me wonders: is this an NFL thing or is this a Hugh Jackson thing? I mean, I've never seen it. I've never seen one Because the way Hugh, Hugh Jackson handled the rookie quarterback thing last year wasn't necessarily that's true. Uh, Vince Lombardian. That's true. <laughs> As Roger Ray lit into him when the last time he was on the show. Shout out to Roger Ray, uh, our, NFL, me, our love, NFL draft guru. I love Deshaun Kaiser, and he buried him into the ground. Basically and just, like, just treated him just in a way that was just like, yeah. you talk about no respect for rookies. That was no respect for a rookie. Look, as much as I love Deshaun Kaiser, he didn't do himself any favors. You know, some not at the, all. Some of the antics he was doing, but um, Mike McCarthy was glad to take him. He was glad to get rid of their, you know, a starting secondary uh, member of their secondary. But like, I've never so, seen the coaches like bat a rookie quarterback yeah, yeah, in the every, media yeah, every, every week. week for like stupid stuff. Yeah, it was just weird. And then benching him and then starting him again yeah. and playing with a concussion. It was like just yeah. insanity what happened last year. So, like, you know, I don't know. What Hugh's thinking is, but it makes me wonder: Is this just a Hugh Jackson thing and how he handles rookies? That's just—I mean, it's just. There's no way that it's positive for Baker Mayfield to be the third string. Well, that's what I was saying before about Bowles, where it's going to be difficult for Bowles to get the respect of the locker room. To me, well, not difficult, but it could lend itself a little bit of a problem if Darnold's obviously the best player and he's not playing. Especially to me, it's—it's if- it's obvious that that. Uh, Mayfield is not number three on the depth chart. He's not QB three for the Browns. So, uh, you know, to me, does could he would lose a little credibility if he put some QB three on the depth chart? Yeah, he would. <laughs> because I mean, I, I, look, you look like you don't know football. I'm, I'm not gonna. We we Hugh, Hugh Jackson's been clowning enough over the last calendar year, but I was just about to say that. Uh, I look, I don't think Hugh Jackson can lose any more credibility. He's already lost after going zero six. He lost. Everything, literally, <laughs> uh, every game, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Um, shout out to Hugh Jackson, though. He, I know he, you know, that first episode of Hard Knocks was very emotional, difficult to watch. Yes. With the situation with his mother passing and stuff, that was um, obviously very sad. So I, I do yes. want to send my condolences and give him a shout out there, not just to go after him for his depth chart situation, which I do think is ridiculous. It's bizarre, man. I mean, Baker Mayfield, I understand not starting him. I think Tyra Taylor probably the better player week one. I don't know that for a fact, but I understand starting Tyra Taylor, you have the respect of players around the league. Mm-hmm. But Baker Mayfield is better than Drew Stanton. That's something yeah, I that, that's, yeah, that's like, yeah. Unless he's Manziel, which, again, he didn't look like it in that first preseason game, then I can tell you he's better than Drew Stanton. Because we've seen Drew Stanton very recently. Within the last two, three and I, years, and I just feel out. like what I've heard from how May, May, uh, Mayfield looked in practice, he's handled himself. Like he, we saw he's, not, hard he's not QB three. That's ridiculous. But which is why I look at this Jets situation. And it's like is Darnold QB three? I can't. He can't. He's not QB three on the Jets. No way. <laughs> he said. Hugh Jackson said. I said it from the beginning that the experience is right now is important. Right now, Drew still has that experience, and we'll see how that all unfolds as we go. I haven't made the choice yet, but his veteran presence says a lot. The dude's not starting. We're talking about the backup, the backup quarterback. quarterback. Yeah, who comes in when Tyrod goes down? Tyrod is the guy Tyrod with the, doesn't play well. Tyrod's the guy with the experience. Yeah. And, Maybe. like, I don't think anyone is, like, going to go after him if he starts. I mean, some people will, but, like, I don't think. He, 75% of people would be like, we're fine with it. Right. 
Tyrod Taylor went to the playoffs last year. He's yeah. a capable quarterback. You know, like, it, it, it would be an understanding decision. It, it would be a decision that most people understand. Starting Drew, Drew Stanton, 90% of people would be like, what are you doing? Yeah, I mean, now, maybe, I don't know if things would be different, but, like, this, it suggests that if Tyrod Taylor was on the roster, that Drew Stanton would be starting week one. That's, that's that, Which that is... Again, that suggests you don't know football. Yeah. So that's where Jackson has trouble. And I don't look... If I'm John Dorsey, yeah. general manager, if I'm Baker Mayfield's agent, if I'm whoever, if I'm Jarvis Landry, I'd be like, why'd you draft a kid number one? You know? Like, John Dorsey's probably like, I drafted this guy number one to play. He's probably saying, I didn't want him number one. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Which he, was the rumor. The, it, it, he wanted who, he wanted McCarron, right? Yeah. yeah. He wanted McCarron, and then, like, I don't know. I see. I, that stuff is always so weird. You know, the whole quarterback coach thing, and most of these coaches never want to draft quarterback number one. You know, there's always a. You know, remember what's him call it? Jeff Fisher didn't want golf, and so he didn't play him. Didn't for, want like, Vince Young. All, Jeff Fisher doesn't doesn't like quarterbacks. You know, he's a defensive. But guy. then that gets coaches fired. This will get Hugh Jackson fired. I can guarantee. I mean, that. you you guarantee that, but I thought winning, losing every game would get him fired. That didn't happen. So I, I, I no longer test the fate of what Hugh Jackson's coaching. So Hugh Jackson, is. Hugh Jackson, he's uh he he's ripped some of that uh that Lazarus Pit juice out of uh Marvin Lewis. You know, he'll never, <laughs> he'll never it, die. It man. Saved him because yeah. Jesus, one in twenty nine, whatever he is in the last first, his last his first two seasons. Like you survive that, you can survive almost anything. Even not even putting. Mayfield QB three on your depth chart. Ask Jeff Fisher, man. Jeff Fisher was like, just don't go eight and eight. And Look, it, Jeff Fisher. Well, Jeff Fisher ruined himself when he started talking about Eric Dickerson crazy. That was, so that was the end, as long yeah. as Hugh Jackson doesn't diss Jim Brown, I think that he'll be okay. Yeah, that was the end. <laughs> you can't you can't be a Rams coach and start create, talking crazy about Eric Dickerson. That's like LA me. Rams coach. Yeah, that's yeah for the LA Rams. Like that's like <laughs> that's like the, that's like coaching the Knicks and talking crazy about like Patrick Ewing. <laughs> or Clyde Frazier. Like what are you doing? Like, crazy? It's not like the team got that much history. You you going after one the one of the only guys that's like Hall of Fame bound or in the Hall of Fame? Like that with Jeff Fisher, man. Oof. What is he doing now? He's not. I haven't seen him on TV or anything. He's gonna be on TV. He's on TV this year. Be doing play by play. I'm curious to see how he is. On like play not by like play. every week. I think it's gonna be like a special thing. Because like, I don't know what Jeff Fisher's philosophy is as a coach. <laughs> His philosophy <laughs> is we're gonna go eight and eight this year, <laughs> seven and nine. I think that'll be fun though to see what uh, how he breaks down the game. Um, let's move on though, Kendall. Let's talk about uh, Kyrie Irving, who I know you, you want to talk about today in regards to uh, what his future could possibly be in Boston. Continue to be a conversation of uh, a large conversation in the NBA. The NBA ESPN's di- uh, division is doing their uh, their you know summer forecast. summer forecast for the season, and one of them included uh, the chances uh, of where Kyrie will be next year. And as you said, it's a, it was very close, but right now yeah. the Knicks were in the lead in the voting they had. Yeah, they had you know a free agent edition of their summer forecast going through where some of these guys will be playing, or some of the free agents will be playing next year. Um, and, you know, like, uh, they had some of the relevant guys. Durant, 72% said he will stay in Golden State. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, 57% said the Lakers. Um, but the two other big fish that are out there for next summer are Kyrie Irving and Jimmy Butler. Mm-hmm. Yeah. For Kyrie... Forty-seven percent say the Knicks. 
to 43, 44% essentially saying the Celtics. Uh, the Nets, Clippers, and Lakers all also got a vote. Um, apparently somebody thinks he wants to play with LeBron again. Yes. Um, or that LeBron will be a Laker next year. Uh, Jimmy Butler, 42% say he'll be a Nick next year. <laughs> wow. Um, so take that for what it's worth. You're wearing your Nick shirt right now. I am wearing my Nick shirt <laughs> as we do this podcast. Always uh, staying in Nick season. Now, Kevin Arnowitz, uh, ESPN writer himself, was on mm-hmm. the jump and said that the best intel he has is that, uh, most recent intel is that there was an understanding this offseason from Kyrie's people that he would not be traded this offseason. Um, and that the Celtics and Kyrie right now want to work out a long-term partnership. Um, whatever that means. Something along those lines. I don't know if partnership was the word. But it was a long-term If it was, if partnership was the word, then that, like that quote came directly from Kyrie Irving. I know, right? But yeah. only he would say something only, like that. Oh, yeah, I know. Only he would say him resigning is like, oh, we have a partnership. Yeah. A long-term partnership. I feel like he said that before. That's why, that's why I said that. You know, usually, I think he said, like, I'm, I'm definitely interested in saying, you know, having a partnership with this team. Like, uh, <laughs> But regardless, uh, EJ. Yes. I'm a Celtics fan. Okay. I'm a Knicks fan. You're a Knicks fan. So I could word this way, to, I could word this question in two different ways. Okay. Should you be excited about the possibilities of Kyrie leaving? Should I be worried about the possibilities of Kyrie leaving the Celtics? Um, and going to the Knicks. I'll give you my take because I, I told you before I should have a scorching hot take. Yes, you do. That I've been holding on to for a long time. Yeah, I you, haven't, you didn't even tell me. Yeah, I never. I, I haven't you, told you. I've you had this told for. Me. That's why I say the pre-production meeting. Yeah, I've had the pre-production like meeting months. is as lit as the the actual show, and it doesn't. Yeah. That's not to say that our show is trash. And then um, <laughs> it's to say that our pre-production meetings are lit. To add more smoke, Business Insider. They, I guess, they decided to jump on the bandwagon, but and I guess Business Insider is reporting on. NBA stuff. They've been doing more sports for like the last three or four years. Like like really trying to do sports. But I they think had, they're kind of trying to put their foot in the game. They had like they had sources <laughs> which I was like <laughs> the insider has sources. Don't sleep on the business people and like, their sports. I'm telling you, as someone who went to grad school and you know Sometimes people one, sometimes wonders if I should have did the business concentration instead of the arts and culture concentration. The the business people sports is a business. Yeah. So they may not be the traditional people, but they have sources, so don't sleep on them. Yeah, I mean, I, before I get to what they were going to say, uh, I remember the big lead. Well, the big lead, the big lead reported. You know, it was one of those second reports, but they, a guy on Lakers, the Lakers Film School podcast, essentially said that he heard, he had four different sources from the entertainment industry that said LeBron was mm-hmm. going to sign with the Lakers. Said this was like this was like three weeks before free agency. That, like it's done, done deal. LeBron signs like it's four different sources. Know nothing about basketball, but this is just an entertainment thing. They know, they know this is done. Right. And at that point, I was like, it's over. He's going to the Lakers. Like, I knew it was over, but at that point, I was like, all right, you know, pack your bags. But um, so I just showed you that like some of the stuff can leak out just based off of other attachments. Exactly. You know, Kyrie obviously has his movie that he, his movie career. Exactly. That's, that's why I said do not sleep on the budding. business people. But Business Insider also has sources that said that this Jimmy Butler. Kyrie uh, package deal is real, basically. Said so that there's significant buzz, I think was the term they used, around this Jimmy Butler, Kyrie stuff. So, should I be concerned? And uh, should be, should, how do you even feel as an Knicks fan about Kyrie and Jimmy Butler jumping into, you know, the Kevin Knox KP show? 
Like, some you people feel great. I you gotta feel great. Yeah, I mean, there there are the people that would be like, oh, you got too old. It, it's a situation up. where it's beggars can't be choosers. Look, right. Like, that's what I. That's what like, I is say. Jimmy Butler the perfect player? No, but there there are only a couple of perfect players I'd want in the right. NBA. Or yeah, if I can get Giannis Antetokounmpo instead of Jimmy Butler, I would gladly take him. Yeah. If I could get Carly Towns instead of Jimmy Butler, I would take that too. But like, okay, the guy's a perennial All Star. He's an elite defensive player. He's a, a, a great one-on-one scorer. It'll only cost you cap space. It'll only cost you cap space. You don't have to give up anything for him. You'll probably have to get rid of guys to clear the cap yeah, space, but clubs, not yeah. anybody that I care about. So, yeah, you got to feel extremely excited about the possibility of putting those guys together. Should I feel confident that it will happen? I'm, 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 I'm in wait and see. Because at the end of the day, the Knicks in free agency, besides Amari Stoudemire, have yet to really strike gold the way we've always assumed they could strike gold if they got the free agency. You know, the one thing I will say is we rag on Isaiah Thomas and Scott Layden for putting Knicks in the salary cap hell for all those years and not giving New York the opportunity to recruit free agents but to be fair uh we've seen now donnie walsh um phil and phil jackson really i don't know we didn't really have much cap room on the grunwald uh we've seen those two guys have the strategy of trying to recruit star free agents with cap room and they came up with one guy donnie walsh had amari sidemire that was the only guy they've ever been able to attract via free agency i know they traded for camilla anthony and there was some kind of recruitment but it wasn't really it's not the same as free agency. Yeah. That was totally different. So all these years of like working your way to try to have certain summers where you have cap money and it's only netted one star player. So I, I can't feel that confident because I still haven't seen that thing play out the way it suggests that it should. It's New York City. It's Madison Square Garden. Um, I, I Look, some people say the Knicks brand is not a good brand. I still think that it's the New York Knicks. I feel like if you play for the New York Knicks, and you're a star for the New York Knicks. I think you're an idiot to me if you don't understand how massive that could be for your brand. Like to me, if you don't understand that, then you don't know business. Also, by the way, Clay Thompson was at seventy two percent for the Warriors. Durant was at sixty nine percent. Knicks were second at twenty four percent. Right. So there's been the talk of the the, the big three the super team. Yeah. The, the, the Durant creating another super team yeah. in New York. But look, man. There. I told you before. There. I forgot who reported this. I think it was someone from the Chicago Sun-Times, whoever it was, uh, I forget the reporter, but he said that something along the lines of there is also buzz that Jimmy Butler and Kyrie, there's a third. third there's a third. What, what was the term? What was it? All-star? Significant player, I believe. The significant third player. A, a third yeah. significant player that is a secret player, mystery player that he can't name. That's so crazy. That literally was like the kind of language being used for when they formed the NWO in wrestling. Right. It was like, who was the third man? Yeah. Okay, we got Hall and Nash. Who was the third man? Yeah, exactly. And then it was Hulk Hogan. So like, That's what we were talking about. People, <laughs> NBA free agency. This so, is madness. So people are fun. speculating on who that third guy is. I mean, this is even, we don't even know if the Jamie Butler Kyrie stuff is real. But if it is, I, well, I'll get to that later. But if it is, is it, is it Kevin Durant? He seems to be the name that makes sense given he's close with Kyrie and Jimmy Butler. Very close with Kyrie. Um, yeah. If you listen to the Kyrie, uh, Bill Simmons podcast, obviously he always talks great about Durant. But um, they played all, they all played together on the last Olympic team. And Durant's a free agent. There aren't too many significant players out there that are going to be free agents that are also that are also played on that Olympic team that would make any sense to team up with those two guys besides Durant. I don't think Clay Thompson's that guy. 
I don't think Boogie Cousins is that guy. At Durant seems like a guy that would certainly be up for playing in New York. Durant, yeah, Durant, of all of these star players that we've talked about, trying to lead them to New York, to me, Durant is the only, is the one, is the one that I feel, I feel would most resonate with being the guy in New York City. Like, I think that that would mean a lot to him. And I don't mean it in terms of celebrity. I mean, like, this is the mecca of basketball. I'm the guy at Madison Square Garden playing for the New York Knicks trying to get them to a championship like that all that history like Nick fans we talk about it every single day we yeah. talk about it all the time yeah but it doesn't it does not resonate with a lot of people it's surprising I think it's a generational thing made Nick's been so bad for so long like after Ewing yeah so it got so crazy that like I think no one even kind of understands the magnitude of that at least still in New York City um Mello did to be fair no one else did after Mello Durant, knowing how I always talk about, he he is a student and, and of the game. He is a hooper at heart. And if there's anyone who would would relish the idea of being the guy in New York City playing for the Knicks, trying to win a championship that's playing in the NBA today. I think Durant is number one by far. Which Durant are we talking about? Are we talking about the OKC Durant or the because you know he's two different people now. Remember? <laughs> I know he does says he's a different person. <laughs> What I will say is, I know that he's does sound like OKC person. Durant more than, but I think the guy that Durant, not, I think State the guy, Durant, State Durant is still a hooper. He's Golden just State Durant more of a be jerk. like, oh, I see LeBron. Let me let me go play in LA. You know, let me team up with Bron Bron. I, I think that I think that the I think that Durant that's an OK, that the change that Durant referred to when he says I'm a different person now. The guy in OKC was a phony. Referred more to. I guess personality. Yeah, I guess the nice guy act. Yeah, I don't I, I have to yeah. describe it. I don't, I don't want to say he's not a nice guy because he, no. I mean, he he's again he's done great work for his community and stuff. But he's clearly more of a troll and more of a guy who wants to start stuff than we realize maybe. But in terms of the Hooper, Durant is still the same Hooper he was in yeah. OKC that he was in Golden State. So understanding that history, understanding what it means to be that guy for the Knicks, Durant. I think of all the superstars in the league, knows that more than anyone. He would understand that and want to be that guy more than anyone else. Now, let me go into what I was going to get into. Um, yeah, obviously, I, I said I have a scorching high take on this. Yeah. It starts with one thing. I think this Kyrie Jimmy Butler stuff is real. Okay. I, I think, because there's that question, you know, this could all be fluff thrown out there it could be I mean it could be NBA gossip I mean last summer we thought Paul George to the Lakers was a lot all year we thought Paul George to the Lakers Jalen Rose said that uh, Chris Boston and LeBron James to the Knicks was a lot yeah he said Durant was going to the Rockets you know like <laughs> not the best on Jalen Rose we love Jalen Rose yeah. we have Jalen Rose we want no smoke with Jalen Rose Jalen Rose also said Kawhi Leonard wants out of San Antonio people yeah, were like right, this guy's a loon right, right about that and he was 100% right so I mean, but it's NBA gossip. All the stuff's NBA gossip. Yeah, you don't know what's right and what's what's you don't know what's true and what's not. I think this is I think this is right now. I think this is true. Um, I know this stuff about Kyrie and the Celtics have an understanding, and Kyrie said you know he wants to win and blah 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 blah. I don't know. I'm not confident. But before I get into the Celtics' point of view, I'll first start by saying. If I'm the Knicks, who is even the ringleader in all this? Because that's also my question. Because like, let's let's say in theory that all three of these guys, maybe they don't have, maybe it's not like a package deal, but like they all have an understanding of we may want to go to New York. 
that's a possibility, it always starts with one guy. There's always got to be that one guy that, like, he's here, so I'm going to follow him. Like, and people thought LeBron was going to be the ringleader to bring all these guys to L.A. It hasn't happened yet. But, like, I think D. Wade was essentially the ringleader oh, that the brought LeBron Definitely. and brought D. Wade. And brought, I mean, he's the first guy there. I feel like if Durant signs with the Knicks, it's certainly more enticing for Kyrie and Jimmy Butler to go there. If Kyrie signs with the Knicks, it's certainly more enticing for Durant and Jimmy Butler. But it's going to take one of those guys, unless it's a, a complete understanding from all three that that's where we're going, one of those guys going to have to take that leap of faith. Um, so that's just my question. Durant's the best guy, so I think he'd be willing to go go there regardless of who he's playing with. Um, I, I still get the feeling it's Kyrie. Because Kyrie feels he's the guy that always talks about player mobility and the importance yeah. of player empowerment. Freedom, yeah. And I just feel I can't imagine that Durant would have went to Golden State and then already pre-planned his next move. Yeah. I don't think he's thinking that far ahead. Yeah, I think he Kyrie probably, hasn't had if, free the, if this is all true and he is the third guy that is significant. I'm, I would guess he was he was approached. They, yeah, they might be recruiting and him. said, "Yo, you've won championships. Like, what more could you do in Golden State? How about you try? We try to do the unthinkable in New York because winning a championship in New York is the unthinkable." And that's interesting. Um, my question is: Should the Knicks give up Porzingis? If if there's a chance where they have to give up Porzingis, to, I'm just thinking: Should they do that? Because you have to pay Porzingis too. Man, that's not happening. If you're getting all three, yeah. Like, so then, should they get rid of him to make that happen? I mean, if he doesn't play this year, I would I would do so. Wow. Yeah. If you're getting all three of them, I mean, look, man. <laughs> I mean, it's a tragedy, man. I mean. They're, they're casualties in war. There is a part of me that, like... So they're casualties there's in a Star part, Wars. Like, yeah. look, Knicks... Look, I won a championship by any means necessary, but there's a part of me that wants... that it, I feel like it would be sweeter if the championship was in a way that was a little more organic than, like, three guys joining the Knicks. Like, I can do two guys, but, like, then... Adding two Durant, guys, keeping Knox, keeping yeah, Okay, well, the, keeping the, Frank. You know, yeah, the nucleus is still there. We added two stars, and then, they, okay, well, now we're competing. Yeah. Like when it's like you you just, just get, get rid, rid of, of everybody. It's just three all stars deciding. Like I don't know. There's something about that. I wouldn't. It wouldn't feel the same. EJ's like, look, man. I'm not on Imperial broadcast. I don't like Star Wars that much. Look, I always say I'm, I don't. I'm Star Wars. I'm not for the NBA Star Wars at all. I've never been. You know, look. Like I said, look. I don't know if you've seen Star Wars, DJ, the first movie. I think you have. Of course, I have. There are casualties. I've seen it for you. There are casualties in Star Wars, DJ. Yeah. And look, maybe Porzingis is Ben Kenobi. <laughs> Maybe even casualty. I don't know. Um, but all that Kyrie stuff is interesting. Leave me. It would just be a Knicks Force Ghost moving. Yeah, in, in the man, next sadly uh, enough in the NBA Finals in twenty twenty. The Celtics point of view, EJ, and this is where I get to the the hot take that I teased. Yeah. If it's true that I think Kyrie's going to leave, which it is, but if it's true that he does leave, or that he's leaning towards leaving, I think the Celtics should trade Kyrie Irving. Now. I'm not da- Danny Ainge. As far as the moves he's made, there have been rumored moves that he hasn't made that would have been bad, like trading five first round picks for Justice Winslow. You know, so he's not perfect. But as far as the moves that have actually been made, he's been nearly spotless since trading KG and Paul Pierce. The only move is maybe drafting James Young. Yeah, that you was know, trash. That was a That's trash. A trash Seventeen, you draft a guy barely get on the court. Yeah. But beyond that, most of his moves have been spotless. 
this so it's tough for me to question him not trading Kyrie this all season. Right. I mean, this all season's not over. He's just around the time when you trade Isaiah Thomas, but James Harden got traded like a week for the, yeah. for the regular so season. So it's not impossible that he doesn't get traded. But right now it seems like he won't. Um I wonder why he hasn't been traded yet. I think because there was a conversation that Kyrie is interested in resigning. Now, my question I don't is, think that there's a I don't think there's an understanding that he will do it. I think there's a a, a, if Kyrie did there's, his, there's real interest in that he he would he really wants to see this season to out. see this season out, and that he there's a chance he if, would definitely want to come if, back. If Kyrie, like Kyrie, he did a press conference before Uncle Drew came out. You know, this is when this first Jimmy Butler stuff started coming out, and he was talking about he's like, oh yeah, you know, I I really want to just play this year out, and we'll see what happens, kind of thing. It was seemed like you know there were the Celtics green teamers out there that looked at it and said, see Kyrie staying. You know, <laughs> we can stop all this Nick stuff. But look, man, even when he talks about wanting to stay in Boston, it feels more like a, I want to play the season out, we'll see what happens in free agency. And that's not enough for me to let this guy stay. My question to you, though, is by trading Kyrie Irving, you would be ending your chances of winning a championship this year, which I think are legitimate. Yes. Well, more than likely. Because... Because I don't see a trade there that, that makes you better... Yeah, by trading I, Kyrie I agree. Um, and I think that's that answers the question of why they haven't traded him, I think. Uh, but I'll get to that. Well, there are two ways of looking at that. Um, one, I agree. I don't know what moves out there. I don't know. I threw out there Carl Anthony Towns. Hopefully, if Minnesota feels like they can keep Kyrie and pairing with Jimmy Butler. They ain't keeping Kyrie. I mean, he was, they, were, they were on his list. That's just something I'll yeah, because he wanted to play with his homie. You know, now they're both free agents. Would they really leave together to go to another team? I mean, that's probably, I, that's a nefarious it's, move. It's, look, no disrespect to Minnesota, but it's cold. Yeah, yeah, it snows all the time. Um, I, I mean, again, like I said, I don't know what moves even out there, but it's just if you're the Celtics, losing Kyrie for nothing, it would be pretty. It wouldn't be damaging. I mean, it'd be damaging. It would be damaging. It, it'd be pretty. It wouldn't be. They would be able to. They will be able to absorb the blow more than most teams. Yeah, if there's any team in the league that could absorb that blow, it's 100 percent the Celtics. But yeah. it's still like if you. Some people look at the Celtics right now on Golden State's level, or as close to Golden State as any team in the league. That would certainly hurt that. And I feel like you have to get some value back. When is the best time to trade? And would have been this offseason. So I think right now. Preemptively, I say that I say that it's a mistake to have not traded Kyrie. Now, like like you said, I think the reason they haven't traded him is they feel like they can win a championship. I think there's a cautious optimism in Boston that they can win a championship this, yeah. this season. That if those guys are all fully healthy, that they can beat Golden State. Because I think there's one thing. And I think there's a cautious optimism, rightfully so, that he'll stay. Because I think there's one thing I look at the Warriors, what they haven't faced. They haven't faced elite-level talent and elite coach. No. They faced very high-level talent. And Ty Lue. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean LeBron. But not elite-level coach. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, they, like, talent, like, they faced the talent, and then the coach was Ty Lue. Right, yeah. <laughs> like, or, or they faced Greg Popovich. And they had LaMarcus Aldridge and no Kawhi Leonard. Yeah. Um, Houston, honestly, was the closest, the closest thing. The closest thing. Where they faced, they faced real talent and a real coach, and they 
I think they would have lost yeah. had Chris Chris Paul not his old hamstring didn't give yeah. out. So to me, when I look at that Boston match and why it's just I feel like it's so intriguing is that if Kyrie and Gordon make it through the whole year and it's the whole Boston squad, that would be elite level talent they'd be facing and the best coach in basketball. Yeah. And a seven game series, I'm not saying that they're gonna lose, like automatically. I'm not gonna say all oh, the I'm not they're not getting washed. Yeah. I think that that's a series. So and, and if you're the Celtics, I you know my saying. I say it every time. If, if I have a have, chance to win a title, I'm not doing I'm it. not ruining that by any means. Yeah. Because a championship changes lives. Right. And trading Kyrie a year early so I get some value so that I don't get totally killed next year. You're if they're still I mean, look, Danny Ainge was a little different, but if it was some other team, if if you're still milling into the playoffs or barely not really moving on or advancing, you're getting fired anyway. So you're just only prolonging the inevitable. Why not go right. for it all when you had the chance? Sports I, is such a, I, a day-to-day, week-to-week kind of thing. I mean, Durant Injuries could, can happen Durant any moment. Could, you can't ruin your chances to win a title by trading Kyrie. Durant could dislocate his shoulder and be out all right. season. and Now Boston's the best team in the yeah, league. Basically. So... You can't get rid of Kyrie preemptively without seeing what happens this season. Now, it's unfortunate. Like, I mean, I'm sure, yeah. You, the, they're the, in a weird The position. fear of him leaving is real. Yeah. It should be real. But they have no chance. They have no choice. I don't think that you can trade him early and, and ruin your chances at a title now. I also think they look at it and they say, look, if Kyrie leaves, the Celtics have four, potentially four of her round picks next year. Including the Sacramento Kings pick, including the Grizzlies pick, top ten protected. Um, they have plenty of assets going forward. That's Plus, the, that's the have, one thing about the Celtics situation is that they. Sorry to cut you off, but they, Kyrie, and really Gordon Hayward too, but especially Kyrie, like his timeline doesn't match with the young guys' timeline. Tatum, yeah, Tatum and Brown. So that's always been a kind of weird dynamic. So if they were to trade Kyrie, to me, it would be to kind of fortify the future. Which is why I, yeah, which is why I mentioned Towns. Mm-hmm. I felt like Towns is the closest guy where, like, he, it, it would be a positive move, I think. Now, I don't know if there's another guy out there like that. Um, there aren't too many teams that are going to give up anything for a one-year of Kyrie Irving, which is why I... Towns, Porzingis, uh... There's no real good young point guards out there. That's, that's what I was thinking about. I was like, is there a young point guard you could pair? See, I don't even know if I want a point guard. Because you have Rozier and Smart. Right. Like, if you get Rogier, rid of Kyrie, the, Rogier, the idea is Rozier is going to be the point guard. Right. I see what you're saying. That's why I say Towns, because, like, Horford aging. We don't have another big man. Like, But, ultimately, I feel like they also feel like, look, if Kyrie left, they'll just pass the torch to Tatum. And he's the guy. So, that's why I don't think they're they're that scared. I don't think they they would lose their mind if Kyrie left. Um, I also my last point on this is that I think Kyrie is secretly I think Kyrie I won't say that it's like LeBron or Paul George, I because those guys I thought were set to go to Lakers the year before mm-hmm. they went to Lake. Well, Paul George didn't go to Lakers, but I th- I think LeBron do a year before he was going to Lakers. Yeah. I think Paul George I think a year ago probably thought he was going to Lakers and things changed. I think Kyrie probably thinks he's going to the Knicks. I don't think he knows for a fact. But I think he's very much rooting for the Celtics to win a championship, not only because it helps his brand and he wants to win, he's a competitor, but I think he knows it would lessen the blow of him leaving. I think he'll leave regardless, is what I'm saying. Mm. If we lose, 
You think his mind? I think there's a better chance he leaves if we win than if he loses, actually, which is weird because you never see that. But I think he feels like he needs an excuse to leave. I mean, he'll be hated if he leaves to go to the Knicks and we don't win a championship. You leave Boston for New York, you're dead to them. That's Roger Clemens. Now, if we win a championship, he can kind of get out. People like, look, he did his job, whatever. I don't know. But I wouldn't care, especially since the team is as stacked as it is. But, um, yeah, if we don't win a championship, I, I think he's secretly, I think he knows that, which is why he's so much, he's so focused on winning this year because he kind of has to if he wants to leave. Let's shift gears uh, and talk about golf, which is not something we normally talk about on this show. But uh, the majors have wrapped up with the PGA Championship last week where Brooks Koepka, 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 there you go. Yeah. I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, won the PGA Championship. But the talk remains about Tiger Woods. Much like his performance at the Open Championship earlier in the summer, Woods dazzled and made a late push to almost win his first major since 2008. Kendall, uh, the conversation, the last two majors uh, on Twitter, on social media, just talking in to you about. In the golf about, world, yeah. And just in the sports world. Yeah. It, 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 it's what went well beyond yeah. golf. With these last rounds of Tiger making a push to win, um, it was a remarkable man. And it made me wonder what will it take for golf to get back to that? situation on a regular basis because i think you say say these golf has golf had has been in a decline since tiger woods went he ran since he since he went barefoot into that car and and ran into that tree drove into a tree yeah this is not golf has not been the same in terms of the we've had stars wide appeal yeah so and that's what i was going to get to is that we've had other star players young star players and it hasn't moved the needle at all it's Tiger that still continues to move the needle in a way that's unlike anyone else. Is that good or bad for the sport of golf? Like, is that even a good thing? It's it's a it's a very good question, Kendall. Because like it's kind of like the the Golden Knights thing we talked about the night Golden Knights yesterday, and I, and I was saying how some people feel like the Golden Knights being an expansion team and making it to the Stanley Cup was bad for hockey because it proved that the sport is a joke. You know, like is it good that a, you know an eighty year old Tiger Woods who isn't even that Great, it's still the best story in golf. Right, and why? Like, I mean, I know is wise because he's he's an icon. But oh yeah, he's an icon. But like, you know, Dwayne Wade's an icon. Right. You know, and we don't talk about Dwayne Wade at all. Like, he's not that great anymore. Uh, it's 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 curious to me. That's a good question of whether or not it's good for golf. Um, I would argue yes because we've seen these dark ages. Right, they rather they much rather. I'd rather years. even if he's forty years old and like a shell of himself, but now he's competing. Yeah. Now he's competing because I mean Tiger looks good. I mean he couldn't hit the he, fairway. He looks like one of the ten best golfers. Yeah, in the world. I mean, he has having problems hitting the fairway, but like in terms of his putting game and everything else, he's money. He's yeah, he's really good again. Um, the concern is how long can this last? Because okay, let's let's say there is a second Tiger Woods act. What happens after him? Is there like? I guess my question becomes: Is I I I get the feeling that the only way we're really gonna care that much about like these players in in this sport is gonna be if it's another person of color who has the kind of dominance that Tiger Woods had, um, or 
close to the kind of dominance that Tiger Woods had. Maybe Tiger was like, and like, it's part of me, because the reason why I say that is because Jordan Spieth, that kid can play. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like that, 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 that guy, I mean, he's one, he's one of the best players in the world. He's won multiple championships. Now he has had some meltdowns. He had a meltdown in the Open. He had a meltdown in the Masters a couple years ago, I think. So, he, he's not Tiger. Yeah, Jordan, yeah, Jordan Spieth. But Jordan Spieth is still elite. I mean, and is, is for a young kid, can he's one of the best Jordan in the world. Jordan Spieth is a, a, he's a superstar. Um, I mean, I, I mean, this kind of goes to the discussion, but I don't know why he's not talked about more in the the mainstream. Of I think it's because he's just like every other golfer. <laughs> yes, that's why. Like, because that's why I kept thinking. I was like, like, and like, it was great. I mean, like someone said, uh, I think Stephen A. said it, and I saw other people say it, and it's totally true. It's incredible how, even in sports now, we're so divided because of. Our president, forty-five, unfortunately, um, we're divided on everything still. Yet, Tiger Woods' run, these last two majors, no one was rooting against him. Not, not, not sports fans. I don't know if there were people outside of sports maybe who came in. Like, I don't want to see him. But anyone who was sports fans who was paying attention, everyone to see him win. They know golf with that is, was by far it is and the back. excitement around it was uncanny since. The last time he rammed him, rammed his car on that Thanksgiving night. The last time you, he was through multiple times. I'm, okay, the second the, time, the only time, the fifth time he did it. I'm just saying the last time we remember this. Yeah, it was Thanksgiving and he was going to the hospital. Yeah. So when I think about okay, well, what is it about Ty? Okay, he's all he he maybe the greatest ever. So okay, that has a lot to do with it. My thing is okay, even if this was like Jack Nicholas, w- w- would this still be like this? I don't think it would have been. I, I don't. Because I, to me, Jack and Tiger are like neck and neck for like the best ever. And I, I don't know. I didn't live when Jack Nicholas. Well, I was living by, yeah. you know, by him. Yeah, but I, he's still alive now. Still right. I was, I was, I, he, he was like, but like he was like at the very end of his career. He might have even been on the senior tour by that point. Um, So I don't like know what the attitude was around him. But like if he went randomly at like 10 years past his prime, like was competing for major championships, well, we've been all over it like we were, I don't think we would have been. And it going it kind of reminds me of the 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 kind of the time, the year without Serena Williams in tennis. <laughs> how different how different Serena Williams being in tennis this year made everything. Yeah. It's it's a different energy. And the only thing those two people have in in, in common, besides being the greats, the maybe the greatest in their sport, which is a major thing to have in common, but the major thing is they're both two people of color. Yeah, and there's something there's something unique and different about them, and that at the end of the day, that will always make them special. And I think that's what I took away from this Tiger this last weekend was, regardless of what he identifies himself with, just him being so different than everyone else on the on the tour, and him competing, and him having a chance to win, it just it just works. It's just a lightning rod, and for golf. That's why I thought your question was so interesting. Because you say, is it good? I'm like, they'd rather have this than what they've had. But that is concerning. It's like, okay, well, when he's officially done and he's not golfing anymore, we're not even talking about him. When does does golf ever get to that point where there Does it become NASCAR? Yeah, because, I mean, yeah. Because when Tiger was winning in golf, I mean, golf was a huge story. At times, it was the biggest story in sports, including football. No, a lot of times it wasn't football season. So, including basketball and baseball which is when they were competing in the NHL. Sometimes it was whatever the major was that weekend was by far the biggest story because it was Tiger. 
And I don't know if they ever are going to reach that peak again uh, in this era unless there's someone else who is a person of color or extremely different or extremely unique. Maybe it needs to be someone like a Conor McGregor who's like just so over the top and so different that they cause uh, eyeballs to watch. I don't know. I just don't. I just think you can't just be young and really good in this sport anymore and just think that that's going to get people to watch. It's not because it hasn't. Clearly, yeah. it's something else. It's got to be some kind of other intangible factor or tangible factor um, that needs to come in play. Yeah. Um, it, it's. I, I asked the question: Is it good for? Is, is it good for golf? And I would say that this is not good for golf, only because. Well, I'd say it's good for golf, but it's contingent on Tiger Woods being back. Which is a whole nother question. Um, if you feel like Tiger Woods is back, then this is great for golf. Because now the ratings will go up. Every major will be must-see TV. And they'll certainly benefit off this for the next two, three years, or however long Tiger Woods goes. Could be five years for all we know. Um, the reason I say it's bad is if Tiger Woods isn't the same guy, or can't get back to the way he was, and he can't consistently being the top five of these major tournaments, then if he never wins another major, if he never wins another tournament, this isn't great for golf. This is just a flash, flash in, the in the pan, man. Mm. And that's that's got to be scary for the officials over at, you know, PGA. And these uh, television execs. Yes, exactly. Or broadcasting these um, games. And or look, golf matches, isn't the only... Rounds, whatever you're saying, golf. <laughs> I, you know, I mentioned NASCAR. They're in much more trouble than golf is, you know, in terms of having a star, having people. Yeah, NASCAR's watch. kind of in a weird period, too, where, like. I mean, NASCAR was screwed over by, well, they the, screwed themselves over by leaving ESPN. Of course. Uh, <laughs> um, but the, the, I mean. Now ESPN doesn't want to even mention NASCAR. Yeah. It's Daytona 500. But, uh, and now the CEO, he's in his own hot water after a DUI. Uh, the chairman, but there—I mean, look—there are some sports that are in a weird spot. Golf is is right up there. Uh, it seemed as if Jordan Spieth was going to be that guy. He his his transcendence or his ascendance rather has slowed down a little bit. You know, I think by now people thought he would be like Tiger Woods Jr. and that's the way he started, and he he's still a you know a top five guy probably, but not nearly as dominant as people would have hoped. And so that, I think, certainly hurt them because they thought, oh, okay, well, Jordan Spieth's out here now. He's going to be by far the biggest name in golf. And even though Tiger's not winning anything, Jordan Spieth's going to win every tournament and he's going to dominate. And he, I, I think that's hurt them, that he's only been really good and he hasn't been spectacular. Um, hasn't won another Masters, Masters since. Um, hasn't, not like he's winning every major. Uh, so I mean, there are a lot of layers to why golf is in a position. The way I just feel there's something. There's got to be something more than just he's not Tiger, so therefore we're not watching. That's why I he's not as good as Tiger. So I think there's something. I think there's something more to it. I think it's that intangible of there's a man that looks totally different than everyone else. We don't see this. There's the only guy that's like this, and he's unbelievably great. He used to be the he's greatest a boring of all, guy. He used to be the greatest of all time. There's nothing interesting about right. him. Right. There's, there's nothing inherently interesting about, about him. About his personality. When you mentioned NASCAR, it kind of brought me to, okay, well, to me, like, the golden age of, like, uh, well, not the golden age, but the, the, I thought was the 
with the better age in, in, in NASCAR was when Jeff Gordon was a superstar and it was the guy with the rainbow colored car yeah, yeah. and how weird that would be considering it's the South and it's NASCAR and this guy's I really, think he's from Indiana. He's not even from like you know, you had, the South. You had, you know, Earnhardt and Richard Petty. Yeah, um, or Earnhardt was, you know, right. Earnhardt was the intimidator. He was, he was a character. Yeah. You know, he was likely to try to put you into the wall as much as he was to try to win. Yeah. Richard Petty was the cowboy hat wearing, exactly. you know, like swagger kind of guy. He like had personality. Like, right. And like, maybe, maybe it's not even this, the, the thing of skin color. Maybe it is just, there needs to be someone with a personality. But they got to be good too. I think Ricky Fowler has a great personality, but he can't win a major. Yeah. So no John one, Daly stumped. No one will care about him. Yeah. Yeah. John Daly was a great character, but you know he had his demons that didn't allow him to reach his potential. So there's there's intangibles to all of this kind of stuff. And Jordan Spieth has no personality. Right. He's just a good kid. It seems like who's really good at golf, but like you know, uh, is not moving the needle. And I. This Tiger Woods, I'm very, I'm kind of now for the first time in a long time. I've said that this, the golf season's over, basically, like the oh, major man. season. Like, I, come I, Thanksgiving weekend, we got Tiger versus uh, Phil Mickelson. He's gonna million. first of all, he's gonna wash Phil Mickelson. Ten million, man. You know how? That's why he did it. <laughs> Tiger was like, oh, now I got, money. now I got a game. That's easy money. <laughs> That's an easy, easy check. Yeah, he, he's gonna. Have you seen Phil Mickelson golf recently? Phil Mickelson is washed, so Tiger Woods is gonna gonna do quick work with him in a one on one format for money. He no, that's yeah, that's why he's doing it. Normally, Tiger Woods, the older Tiger Woods, would a younger Tiger Woods would be beneath this kind of thing, but the Tiger Woods now, who's you no know, still fighting to try to get tournament wins, but is still ten times better than Mickelson, is gonna take that check every single time. So it's smart that he's doing it. I'm glad he's doing it. I hope he wins. He will win because he's. Way better than Mickelson at this point. Uh, Kendall, we're running a little bit out of time. Let's quickly talk about this college basketball rule changes. The NCAA announced it was making drastic changes to its basketball amateur rules. Uh, but the only problem was not everybody was on board. The group announced elite high school and college players would be eligible to be represented by agents certified by the NCAA. Um, the USA basketball would be commissioned to tell who is elite and who deserves the ability to get a uh, an agent. USA Basketball apparently had nothing to do with the rollout of this rule. Yes, this was just completely new to them. The NBA also was completely blindsided by this and 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 frustrated that they didn't get any say in how this would all work out. So that was surprising to them as well. So Kendall, along with that, went with some other rules that included uh, underclassmen being allowed to return to school um, if they if they were uh, if they were undrafted. Uh, it also made some changes to the summer basketball circuit and the limiting the access for college coaches to non-high school sanctioned events. They had more rigorous penalties for uh, rule uh, rule breaking. And, of course, uh, two new independent companies will be holding, will be handling investigations moving forward into college schools, possible fraud, other academic situations, and things like that. So... Kendall, you filed college basketball inside and out real quickly. What did you make of this stuff? I think these were all positive moves for the sport of college basketball. Um, I don't think it's – I think anyone that tells you this is bad for the sport is doesn't know what they're talking about. Um, what I will say, the NCAA has caught a lot of flack 
for the way they've rolled this out. I don't look. I'm not in the meetings with the NBA and the NTAA and USA Basketball. All multi-billion-dollar companies. I don't know. USA Basketball is multi-billion-dollar, but the NBA and the NTAA are multi-billion-dollar companies. USA Basketball is a multi-million-dollar company. The, the, they all, you know, I, I'm not privy to those conversations. I don't. I'm not. Uh, I don't sympathize with any of those organizations, really. I don't sympathize with the NBA or the NCAA or the USA Basketball. It's all very su- successful. But what I will say is that I look at this NCAA rollout and, like I said, they've caught a lot of flack. I think they, it was, it was, it, it, their, their intent was in the right place. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, they're, they wanted to, one, they wanted to, to, it was a PR move, first of all, obviously. The way they rolled it out, it was weird. But beyond that. Surprisingly, that a, a, uh, uh, a operation led by Mark Emmert was chaotic and made no sense. But I'm shocked by that, you know, it it certainly was an unorganized way of announcing it. You know, early in the morning, uh, without I mean, notifying I, any of the other parties involved, yeah, <laughs> that this was going to happen. Yeah, I know. Not not only not notifying them that they were uh, that this was going to be announced, but not notifying them that they were involved. Even, yeah, that you guys were going to be doing stuff. <laughs> like imagine if I if I told you if I like put something out there imagine or imagine like if you you like Instagram something about like oh yeah new generation you know we're gonna have Kendall he's gonna be running this and I'm gonna be like wait wait what yeah we're launching a new TV network Kendall's gonna be uh the producer new producer of a new television show <laughs> I'm like you never even told me that. <laughs> so I don't know that that was obviously strange it must be worse it only if I ask like if I ask like Torres who's like not. Like, someone who's, like, affiliated with New Generation, yeah. but not, like, someone who's a regular. Yeah. Like, Torres is going to do this. Torres will be like, fam, what are you talking yeah, about? Yeah, are you going to pay me? Yeah. Do I, do I even know how? And that was the thing about USA Basketball. They're like, I don't even know how to do television. You know? They're like, what makes us capable of even picking guys to do, to, to who's an elite prospect? We're just a, a international basketball or a national basketball organization. We're not, like... A scouting, we're not a. We're not a scouting. A scouting department, department. yeah. Scouting, we just well, look for our under eighteen team. We just take the rivals' top twenty and then just pick the based, based on position. Yeah, we try these we guys get, out. And who are the guys connected to Nike to put on our team? <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. very simple. We're not recruiting and scouting these guys to see who the best guys are. So that's that's the problem. I mean, on that real quick, that should be there are changes that they should be made to this or adjusted. Things should be added. That that should be picked by the players' association, if anybody, uh, who can have an agent who's not. Who can't? Because um, for some reason, NCAA feels like they're not capable of doing it themselves, which, what makes USA Basketball more capable? I mean, I guess because they try out these guys, but can they pick international prospects? Like, what did USA Basketball know about R.J. Barrett? He's a Canadian prospect. So that's I a mean, lot I would hope they'd know a lot about him. Yeah, or well, they, they better. You put 40 on them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, last summer. Probably. They learned a lot about him last year <laughs> that they didn't know about him. Um, but then my other thing is the whole undrafted thing, I think that's cool. I think it's extremely weird how they have it where it's only guys that get invited to the combine. I think they do it so they don't want it to be the wild, wild west of guys. Everyone yeah, like, entering. I can the just draft. go back in, big deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm gonna enter the draft, and then every school is like in limbo. Like my leading score, every leading score in the country is entered the draft. But why not? I mean, I don't care. That about. seemed to be common sense. Yeah. The only concern is that, which I have seen people talk about, is what happens if you don't have any more scholarships. Look, man. I, oh, are you then a free agent? Could you go to any school? The 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 
Because that happens all the time. I was listening to the Gary Parrish show. You know, shout out to Gary Parrish, ESPN uh, radio down there in Memphis. And when this came out, obviously he's a college basketball writer also for CBS um, and TV analyst. But he was saying that uh, the way it goes in college basketball, look, man, you know, if, if they're the guy you want, you find a way to get him on scholarship, basically. So if, if Trayvon Duvall said, I want to go back to Duke, and Duke wanted him back, and they're like, well, we got no more scholarships, Duke will find a way to make an extra scholarship. If that means telling the last dude on, the last dude on scholarship on the bench, look, man, you're never going to play another minute at this school ever again. So it's in your best interest to transfer. Uh, they'll find a way. And no dudes, no players ever going to be like, I'm going to fight this. I'm just going to stay on the. Some guy will. That'll happen. That'll be fun to watch. Yes, yeah, so well, no. All right, I'll just, I'll just have yeah, my, find a way. I'll just get my free education. Yeah, cut the next guy. <laughs> You're not cutting me. And that will be an inter- that'll be interesting. But uh, that's basically the way these coaches do. Yes, uh, and I that'll heard be about that. That'll be how it'll happen. But that's a long unwritten rule or unwritten yeah. thing, a hidden thing about how. Roster moves working. Yes, yeah. you know, you just tell the guy you're never gonna yeah. play again. People say, "Oh, you can't cut players." Like, uh, they cut players all the time. Yeah, basically. Um, so, I mean, that that's the one thing. My, my also my only problem is that I don't if I don't know why they don't go farther and have it where if you you can get drafted anywhere and you're able to go back to college. Because I look at EJ Major League Baseball, right, and I believe the NHL. You're allowed to get drafted, especially Major League Baseball. You're allowed to get drafted, and you can still go back to college. Why is it you can have an agent in Major League Baseball still go back to college? Kyler Murray got drafted in Major League Baseball, top ten pick. Yeah, signed a multi-million dollar contract. It's playing college football. So why is it that these kids in college basketball can't get drafted and still go back to college? Now I'm not going to make it. I think the NBA is never going to have that. And at the end of the day, the college, college basketball, the NCAA, is a minor league for the professional sports. But is it NFL and NBA? It's not the. It's not. The, You're screwing the NBA franchise the draft guys who didn't decide. Ah, I'm just going to go back to North Major Carolina. League Baseball doesn't care. But the baseball, the relationship. I mean, there's 80 the rounds in Major League Baseball. MLB and NCAA is totally different than NBA and right. And what's the name? It's totally because MLB actually has a minor league system. Like right, right, right. you being in college basketball, it's look, like man, as long as, as college baseball, I'm sorry, look, like you, you still got years to go before you I'm, get to the major league. From the NCAA and Adam Silver keeps talking about, yo, screw the NCAA, we're we're building the G League up. I mean, all right, all right, word. You guys, you, if you if you don't like where you were drafted, come back, come back. Don't don't worry. You know, clearly Adam but Silver. But you don't bite not, the hand that's feeding you. The NBA is feeding the NCAA. With the one-and-done rules, what do you think? Not even that. They're feeding the NCAA because we care about their rookies and stuff because of the, how the NBA promotes their league. So, therefore, because we care we care about college sports because we care, about the NBA. we care about the NBA. Right. That's how it comes. That's the NBA is going to – they're going to try and succeed one way or another. They're not going to hurt college basketball. The only way you can hurt college basketball is getting rid of the one-and-done. It's definitely a symbiotic relationship in that they need each other. Yeah. But – but I, and at, also my thing NCAA is NCAA can only thumb their nose at NBA at the NBA so many and, times. And my thing is I don't think it's a huge. I know some people have argue can argue, and have argued whether it be on TV or not. Like that, like you said, it, it hurts the NBA that teams now will get screwed over because they'll draft a dude in the first round and he'll go back to college. But like I said that's in Major League Baseball. 
and the way it goes in Major oh. League Baseball, I follow the Major League Baseball draft right. every year, and like just a random dude, Kumar Rocker. This guy, he he was a top pitching prospect this year, committed to Vanderbilt. Every year, all the high school guys commit and they go to college or they go to the they go to Major League. He dropped in the Major League Baseball draft to like he, like he was supposed to go in the first round, didn't go in the first round. Then it became clear, like, he was a top 15 guy. Then it became clear, once he got to the third round, no team was going to draft him. Cause, like, he was a burnt pit. He's going to he's going to college. It became clear. So he ended up going, like, in the 30th round. Kumar Rocker was one of the top 15, 20 prospects in baseball in, in the MLB draft. Ended up going in the 30th round because teams knew not to draft this guy because he's going to college. Right. So that's up to the, the franchises to know, look, I'm not going to draft Trayvon Duvall in the second round, because I know he said he only wants to go in the first round or he's going back to college. But I think, Or he told me, or his agent told me, I don't want to play for the the Sacramento Kings. So if you draft me, I'm going back to Kentucky. But I think Now, he, does that hurt the Sacramento Kings? Does it help the Lakers? Probably. But you're giving, the NBA is not going to be favorable to giving more power to players who haven't played well, in look, the man, NBA. I, all I'm saying, I'm more, gonna, I'm more in favor of that. that. Um, I'm just telling you, that's never going to happen. It's never going to be allowed. And then also, but it's not an NBA rule. That's the that's my problem. It's, but, it's not even an NBA. If it was an NBA rule, I'd be like, no, you can do. It. Just like I, I mean, but I think the players should be it's allowed affecting to do the NBA draft. It's it's about the NBA draft. Well, it's about the NBA draft, but it's also about college basketball. I mean, there are plenty of dudes that left that have been like, man, if I would have known if this agent didn't lie to me about where I was going to go, I would have went back. But I know. look, I, I mean, I'm an aspiring sports agent and. All these guys say, they tell all of their clients, you're going to go in the first round. Or I can get you drafted, at the very least. And guys leave, and they don't get drafted. And now they're going to Europe, or they're fighting for a D-League spot. Yeah. And half those guys can guarantee you to be like, man, I wish I would have not left. I hear you on that. I just don't think that the idea of letting guys go back after being drafted makes... I just don't think that that is never going to be okay. Uh and I think that when you compare it to baseball, it's not a fair comparison because in, in the NBA, because there isn't a minor league, there is more of a need for when you draft a guy for him to produce immediately. Baseball, teams will risk taking a guy that they think is a great talent because they know regardless of who I pick at this spot, I'm not going to see this guy on the major league level for three, four years. And that draft in baseball is so much more of a crapshoot. You can draft a guy number two overall. He may never play for you. He may just be able to yeah. hit a curveball, and that's yeah. it. You like the guy know, in the 40th round, and then he, he's, he's Mike Piazza, or yeah. he's Albert Pujols. Guys who were drafted at the end of the draft. So it, baseball is a lot more of a crapshoot. So it's not fair. The NBA is a lot more. The, the science is a little more exact in terms of who's good and who's not good. So you draft the first round pick, the guy doesn't show up. I mean, that's a cri- that could cripple a franchise. I, look, there's in sports, there's an idea that it, it's we talk about the divide in America or whatever, and it's just odd that. In the NBA and the NFL, you're forced to go to college. NFL, you got to do three years. Or baseball and football. Or basketball and football. Hockey and in baseball, you don't have to go to college. You can come straight out of high school. And, I mean, you're allowed all the freedom you want to go back to college if you want. But I also think it's it's ironic that those are the two college sports that we don't care about. It's also ironic that they also have minor league systems. But Exactly. Or, yeah, it's not it's not a coincidence. But I just, I, I mean, I don't know. I look at that and I say, look, I mean, you look at the majority 
player in both those two sports or is the majority player in the other two sports? And I just asked the question, why is it like this? You know what I mean? I mean, look, I don't, why, why I don't, why I like don't this? disagree that like guys that, have no freedom. Look, I, look, I, look, I understand, and I don't think from I the think NCAA. I, if it was me, I think that the NBA should do a two and out rule, where like if you go to college, you gotta stay for two years, and if not, you can come straight out of high school. I think that's and the, that's how it is. In, I mean, baseball is three. Baseball years. is three. So it's years. not complete so, freedom. Like, yeah. Guys. So it's, yeah. So it's not exactly complete freedom. So I agree. We're on the same page with that, but I think we're talking about more. Uh, you know more drastic measures when we're talking about you can get drafted in the first round and then not go to your team. Those are more drastic measures that I, I, I can't support for me. Oh, man, if a team... Now teams got to be smarter when they draft guys. I don't know. Just don't draft a guy. You have to Now you have to have an understanding, as you know, Kyrie Irving would say, that um, you're going to get drafted. Or that you're going to sign, rather. That, like, if I draft you, you're, gonna, you're not going back to college. And guys will tell their teams, I oh, don't draft." Yeah, I mean, and, but and, and even but then do we that, really want guys? And beyond but, that, I mean, why don't we have it where? But to me, you're you're talking about a system that is getting closer to the to the radical system of not having a draft. Now, maybe yeah, I know, right? Which is what you're against <laughs> yeah. completely. No, I hate that. Yeah. So, but I feel like what you're arguing that, for is, that kills is more like that. I mean, health parity, but no, I think it kills parity rather. If you <laughs> yeah. don't get rid of a draft, but an even more drastic move would be like, let's go back to the time when Bird was drafted by the Celtics and still played at Indiana State and went back to the Celtics. Why can't we have that? Why can't I draft someone, he says, I want to go back to college, and I still but retain his no rights? No one's ever going to do that again. Now, it's not going to happen in the top five. But what if a guy in the second round says, man, I don't like it. It would make no sense to do that. Now that I think about it. But maybe you could yeah, have this guy get – Yeah, he's – not he, gonna take the money. Yeah, he's just prolonging the inevitable by doing that. I don't know why. I still don't know why Bird did it. <laughs> okay, I, like, I'm sure someone knows, but like, I never understood why that there's happened. No, there's no logic involved in it. Now that I think about it, because I'm like, because the, the reason guys come back nine times out of ten is to improve their draft spot. You know how crazy that'd be though. It'd be like watching him in like the the final four, being like, "Yo, the Celtics number one pick, number three pick in the yeah. draft." Is playing in the final four. Like, that's crazy. That's kind of like when we see these European guys who aren't over. Like, yeah, that guy's a first-round pick. Yeah, exactly. He's, he's, playing, he's playing for Team Australia or whatever. Like, like that has to be weird in 1979 to be watching a first-round pick, top talent, playing in, college, playing yeah, in the yeah. final four. Trying to, like, that, that – I don't like, – I wonder how that even – I would have been bugging. I'm like, yo, this is crazy, man. This kid – Yeah. You know, you know top, the number – that national championship probably did great numbers in Boston. Oh, I'm sure it did. Uh, even even on tape, I'm sure they did great numbers. Uh, let's rock out, Kendall. What's Kendall's court? Uh, Kendall's court, EJ. We're gonna stick to college basketball, like I teased early in the show. We're gonna talk about Duke. We're gonna talk about Kentucky. They are playing. Well, Kentucky finished playing uh, an overseas tour in the Bahamas. Duke is currently playing an overseas tour out in Canada. Um, it's going on. Uh, first, I'll start with Kentucky because that. Uh, is done. Um, Kentucky very much exceeded expectations. John Calipari came into the tour saying uh, we'd be lucky, or if we went one and three, something along those lines. He expects he expected them to go one and three. They ended up going four and zero. Um, now but John's always playing. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's talented. He's got <laughs> he's, 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 he's got a spin. Yeah, he's a master at the coach speak. Um, but regardless. Uh, 
Kentucky was a team that not any no one really knew what to expect from this roster. Obviously, completely new, like it is every year. But again, like last year and like most years of the last three, four years for Kyle Perry, not the high end talent that they normally have. Um, they their highest rated recruit, Kelvin Johnson from Oak Hill Academy, not a consensus top five guy. You know, maybe a top ten guy, but it was the recruiting class which was number two. And it's been one or two for Kyle Perry every year he's been there, which is incredible. But uh, it's more about depth than it is about high-end talent. But they looked extremely, extremely strong over the last over those four games of Bahamas. Yeah, um, I, just, I saw a little glimpse of a, one of them, I think. Yeah, yeah. Cause you saw Nick Richards looks really good. Nick Richards played really good. Shout out New York City. Um, he was a deer in headlights last year. Yeah, and he really impressed me. And uh, I mentioned Kelvin Johnson, who looks like a Miles Bridges clone. But the guy that really popped off the screen for most people watching was Tyler Harrow, or Tyler Hero, uh, a guard from Wisconsin that was their lowest rated recruit. I mean, he was an All American himself, but <laughs> <laughs> their lowest rated recruit came in probably the least fanfare and was, I mean, absolutely spectacular. Wow. I mean, this kid jumped onto every NBA scout's radar that was watching. Um, most people thought he was just a shooter. Uh, no, no, I, I don't. I'm not sure why. I mean, despite the fact that he, you know, he's a white shooting six six white shooting guard. <laughs> most people thought he was just a shooter. Uh, but he showed he has some ball handling abilities. Got a mid range game. He's very silky smooth scorer. Can attack the basket. Can play above the rim at times. Um, our brother Henry. Uh, we were watching some of those games and some of the highlights of some of those games, and he even said that this kid reminds him of Devin Booker. Mm. So, and that's a comparison that's been thrown out there. So, Kentucky, look, they look they look legit. They got experience coming back, and they've got a ton of freshmen that can play, particularly Johnson and Hero. So, Kentucky's going to be legit. Um, and with Duke, I've only seen one game they're playing right now. Uh, I'm not sure how that game's going, because EJ told me to focus on the show. But, <laughs> but I, I read nothing. Um, but first, that first game, man, man. I mean, R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson, Cam Reddish, uh, the other top three guy, and Ty- Trey Jones, who's the younger brother, Tyus Jones, top ten player himself, aren't playing because they're hurt. So it's just Zion and Cam Reddish uh, and R.J. Barrett, and I mean, those guys uh, just dominated. Um, obviously, I don't know who they're playing. You know, playing that's Canadian the thing. That's the thing, about, that's the thing about these tours. Is that how am I supposed to be excited? When I don't like. The, I don't know how good these. Now that's the. <laughs> you know, what's funny is a Kentucky uh, beat writer was talking about the, the thing. He was talking about the Bahamas tour, and you know, one of the one of the teams they played was like one of the top teams in Europe. Not, I mean, not like a Euroleague team, but like one of the top, you know, NBA factory producing you know programs in Europe. Uh, you know, Cole Jokic used to play from a couple other guys that are in the NBA now in Serbia. But um, he was talking about the, the the Toronto team. They played some team, Team Toronto, whatever that is, the fake team that they made up for this thing. But he said that like you know he was at the he was at he was at like a casino or a club or whatever in the Bahamas. And he said that that team was just like they were just like going wild, like they were partying and stuff. And he's like they didn't treat this like a real game. <laughs> they were treating this like a vacation. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, you're in the Bahamas playing Kentucky. 
You're not going to see NBA, so you don't care about the scouts that are there. You're just like, this is a free trip. <laughs> yeah, they just run full. They, they think that at Kentucky games is them running full. <laughs> yeah, it's just running full of scrimmage. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I'm like, so that's the thing. Those type of the, those are the names you have to consider. Even beating the European team, which people are losing their minds because they beat them by 40. Is, was that team even taking it seriously? Those are some of the questions you have to ask. But uh, Duke looks incredible. Uh, R.J. Barrett, not very efficient in the first game. Took 30 shots, but had 34 points. Um, and yeah, the new new era of Coach K basketball. Yeah, exactly. Just give it the to R.J. come in, they just take 30 shots. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Williamson getting all his shots. That's why these guys go there. They're yeah. like, look, they let me play my game. It's, Coach new, K- it's, a, the new, it's a new day at, at Duke. But I think Zion Williamson was the most impressive. I mean, R.J. Barrett, I think, is better. Um, like, most people will tell you that. Uh... But I wasn't like overly impressed. By yeah, him. Williamson. You know what? You know what you're gonna get from RJ Barrett. I've seen it. Uh, but Zion Williamson, we don't know what. I mean, we, the YouTube videos that we've seen is him playing against guys that look like you know they play in their middle school church league. <laughs> you know, like so you don't know what to take from that stuff. But the athleticism absolutely translate, absolutely translates on TV. It absolutely yeah. translates to the college level. Um, never seen a guy jump like he can at his size. No. Um, Never seen a guy sky for rebound. I mean, he looks like Bill Russell out there grabbing rebounds. Yeah. Just I've never two seen a jump like the way he does. At the peak of the ball, <laughs> you know, yeah, grabbing yeah. it. Um, and then, obviously, the finishing ability, the rebounding, the finishing. He's going to get. He's gonna be an NBA player, a high-level NBA player, just off of pure athleticism. And then throwing the fact that he, he made three threes, and you can throw out the Ben Simmons comparisons because Ben Simmons won't even attempt a three. Yeah, he's petrified of the three-point Yeah, it's a psychological thing, obviously, with Ben Simmons. So, Zion Williamson, if he's not a top-five pick, somebody made a mistake. Or he got Williamson, yeah. I know everyone's been talking about, let's talk about Barrett, but Williamson, to me, was a guy that looked special. Uh, I mean, that kind of athleticism, it's just not something you can teach. Yeah, you can't teach it. I've never seen it before. It's special. I know the NBA has a lot of athletes and great athletic players, great athletic men. They're, I've never this seen is a kid. another tier. I've never seen a kid like this before. I mean, it's it's the closest thing. It's crazy. The first this is the first time I've ever seen. I've ever said this, but the closest thing to this guy is LeBron. Yeah, generally the other way around. The right, closest yeah. thing to LeBron is this, this guy. guy. Yeah, this I guy feel is like the, than LeBron. I think like, I think this guy this guy's more athletic than yeah. LeBron for like his size. Yeah, like more freakish. Than yeah, because he's. Bigger and stronger. He's, he's not taller, but he's listed at two eighty five. <laughs> like LeBron listed at like two two fifty. Some people say, "Oh, he's actually two sixty, whatever he is." Well, like this guy listed, listed at, at two eighty five. I don't. I don't believe the two eighty five. I'll put that out. That there. guy's I think a tank. I don't probably know. closer to two seventy. No, he was two eighty five. Wouldn't surprise me. That dude is a tank. Like, but regardless, if he is two eighty five, it's the freakish thing that I've ever seen. Most freakish thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. Being his size. It's, it and doesn't. It's not so that you're not supposed to be able to run, jump, and be that fast. And that like, yeah, exactly. Weight. And that's that's the key. It's not just like being able to jump because we've seen like I mean DeAndre Jordan can jump, you know, like but like it's like he's flu. He's a fluid athlete. Can handle the ball. Can move. Is quick. That's why I say he's like LeBron. Like LeBron has the body control and he moves like a guard, but like is also a freight train. Is also huge and jumps extremely high. This guy moves kind of the same way as LeBron. And give him any skills. Improve his skills in any way. And he's, I mean, he's yeah, going to be a star You would think player. with, like, elite-level coaching, this guy. That's why I love, man. This guy could be The Celtics. That's monster. why, if you wonder why the Celtics aren't worried about Kyrie leaving, haven't traded him, they're like, look, 
we'll get a guy like Zion next year. That, that Kings pick is protected two through five. So, I mean, the R.J. Barrett dream is is probably gone. Although, I never like to, to declare a number one pick. You can't year. It it's, it's, yeah. it's almost impossible. I mean, last year, I was sure Luka Doncic was going to be the number one pick. I'm like, I know... Aiden is, I know Aiden's nice, you know, I know uh, Bagley, everyone's talking about Bagley, but, you know, I'm sure Doncic. Michael Porter. Yeah, you know, Michael Porter's in there, but I, I'm, no way anybody's going to do what Doncic is doing. And, look, I was just as confident after the college season as I was, but the Phoenix, there's too much politics involved. You know, I can't talk, I can't speak for who this guy's agent is, what team gets the number one pick, who's the... The, the players on the roster, I don't know. There's too many politics. The lottery is too much of a sham in and of itself. So I can't, I can't tell you who's going to be number one. But R.J. Barrett seems to be the favorite by far to be that guy. So that's all I'll say about that. I think that's a good place to wrap the show, Kendall. So thank you guys so much for listening in to this episode of New Generation Sports Talk Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed. Be sure to check out all of our shows on New Generation Podcast Network on SoundCloud and iTunes. Check us out on YouTube, New Generation Media. Follow us on Facebook, New Generation Media, and on Instagram at New Generation Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at New Generation Pod. Follow me on Twitter at EJ underscore Stewart. And on Instagram at Action EJ. That's us for now. We'll be back next week with more sports talk. For Kendall, I'm EJ. Peace.